You're listening to DraftKings Network. Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but what? Here comes a pizza. See it? This is our fucking city. And nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. Welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. It's. Uh, they, they didn't win it. They didn't win it today or the series, but like. You gotta feel they let good. In, you gotta hey, feel they good let in every game. It. They let in every game. They they had a lead in every game. Uh, the yeah. Cutter Crawford went six innings. Cutter Crawford <laughs> went six innings. Bobby Dolbeck hit yes. a home run. Six for fourteen. Hey, hey, they were. They were 12 runs away from Bob Drizzle and so catch up today. I was thinking about hey, it, but I was listen, listening. Hey, I was thinking. That if 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 they won the series, you know Bob's getting the catch up, right? We would have had you to. You know that? There, there would have been no choice. And even me as a, a guy who craps on Bob, I would have been willing to give it to him just for, you know, at uh, this point in the year, uh, show him some love. Uh, he deserves all, all the catch. I might still give him the catch up. We can't give catch up if we didn't win the series, Jared. Oh, you think Bob breaks that rule? Yeah, kind of. Wow. All right. I, I can get it. I saw you posted the video, the one you pretended not to remember. What, last episode. what video? Where you? Uh, mm, what mm, video are you talking about? You, you know the video. What video? You and Bob at the bar. I got a lot of videos of Bob. What are the other videos like? Uh, the one in spring training. You have a special Bob video. <laughs> you mean... You mean the Bob video? Yeah, when you went out with his mom. I didn't go out with his mom. His mom was there. That's what you said. We were on a double date. We were on a double date, and Bob's mom was there. So when Bob takes chicks out, he brings his mom. He's got a girlfriend. Oh, excuse me. Mm -hmm. Still together. Same girl from the date, double date video. (laughs) Were they uh, together at that point? Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying it was a nice it was a nice night. It's a nice day night. The, there was a very cool uh, feature piece put in the globe the last couple of days talking about all the work he's put down in the minors. By and who? I think no matter by who I, I can't remember who wrote I, it. I, I, can't I think remember the, that's, that's I think the, it was a bad person who wrote it. You. You were reading a fucking G Bob article. Listen, it was about Bobby Delvick. What do you want me to do? Hey, hey, Jake, dude, I'm, Jake. I'm not losing you three Jake. minutes into this. Jake, Jake don't talk. Jake. Jake, Jake, don't say a word. Jake, what? What? Like, that's like a war crime. <laughs> a war crime? Yes, it is. OK. All right. Should I disrespect hey, Bob and not care way, about his journey? What? What? Hey, Jake, how, do you think Tyler would be upset if I if the dude who was driving the car that ran over bullet, if I made him the best <laughs> man of my wedding? You think Tyler would be cool with that? I don't think he'd be cool with that. I don't think so either. But if we're keeping all truth on the table, you'd probably consider doing something like that just to troll me. I wouldn't do that. I would never. I'm not mean to you. 
You've been dancing on Bullet's graves for uh, months. How dare you? I, what happened to yeah, Bullet? Yeah, play the. Yeah, fuck you. He died. By the way, that's not my voice. That is a young girl. And you played it. Listener of the show. Great family. Great people. I didn't tell him to do that. I didn't tell him to say that. I have nothing to do with that. It's your impact. This is what you're doing to the next generation. They're <laughs> dancing not, on my dead no, dog. No, no, no. Because I love dogs. I love dogs. And I loved Bullet. I did. Bullet didn't love you. <laughs> That's because Bullet didn't have enough time to learn what love truly was. <sighs> Don't do this to me. I'm not in a good mood today. I'm Why? In a bad What's mood. wrong? What's wrong? The Red Sox just have... I'm depressed. Oh, the Red Sox have me down. Please. I'm you're, sorry. You're, they do. you're sad because of the Red Sox? I'm, I'm just down. You're still it, letting the Boston Red Sox dictate your mood? It's. I've accepted the reality for a long time. And, you know, my take on them throughout the year was never that they were going to be a playoff team. But to see how it's played out at the end here where they're just... These games are as disgusting as any September in recent memory where they've lost, what, 12 out of their last 15. They haven't won a series since the first couple days of or of September against the Royals. It's depressing. We talked about this team being better than what they were in 2022, at least to some degree. There's a fair chance they finish with less wins than the 2022 squad. That's all right. So that's upsetting. That's crazy. That's, that, a, that's depressing. That's little, yeah, that's a little depressing. Um, but I, I mean, fourth place, really fifth matter. place, I don't care. Fourth place, fifth place, I don't care. I think. the Yeah. Yeah. OK, because. Let's just say in the hypothetical world, the Red Sox finished somewhere in that realm of like, let's call it 84 wins. Let's say it's 84 wins and it's fourth place. Does it really fucking matter if that's where they finish compared to like a, a couple wins fewer than last year? Like, do, Does Ford progress, but finishing in fourth really fucking like, does that do it for you? Or is it just like this season sucked? Last season sucked. Why? Like I, I would. There's a 0% chance I would have taken a moral victory out of the Red Sox. It's like, oh, they had 84 wins this year. It's a winning record. And instead of fifth place, they're in fourth place. Who fucking cares? Who cares? Would you have oh, taken I, I, something from that? No, I, I wouldn't have taken a moral victory. I think it would have just been a little bit more enjoyable. You wouldn't be finishing the season sitting here and being like, damn, this really fell oh, down now at the end. I just some nice positive vibes going into the offseason. But to play the other side of it, and I think if we're being 100% honest here, the way the front office is acting, or I should say ownership at this point, with the way they're speaking, how ugly these games have been, how depressing, how dead the Red Sox look, it should only spark the fire that they're going to be going off with this offseason in terms of spending. So this is pushing them closer to the edge. And if you want to look at it from the MLB draft angle, right? Right now, the Red Sox have the 12th worst record in baseball, right? Uh, partially the Padres winning seven in a row. That's done a lot. That's been nice, kind of pushing them back. Mm -hmm. The only team in front of them who, you know, went 40 million above the luxury tax is the Mets. They're also going to get kicked back unless they finish with the top six worst records in all of baseball. Their pick gets pushed back 10 because of the luxury tax penalty. Mm. So right now, if you're talking about first overall pick, the Red Sox have a 1.1% chance. But we're talking getting right on that line of being, you know, top 10 worst records in baseball. If the yeah. Mets get kicked back, if the lottery plays your way, you might have a pick that's been your best since 2021. I'm just now seeing that like the Red Sox and Padres have the exact same record. 
<laughs> like they're writing articles every day about how the Padres are a fucking dumpster fire. <laughs> and then here you have the Boston Red Sox with the same record. But I mean, like, obviously, expectations were way different, way different, different salaries, <clears throat> different, certainly different levels of talent. But I don't know. I just I watched that baseball game today and it's exactly what I said. It's exactly what I said on this podcast before that series started. I get happy and excited if Bob succeeds. He hit a homer and it felt like it was a win. Who cares? I mean, they lost 15 to 5, 15 to 4, 15 to 5, 15 to 5. They lost 15 to 5. And I mean, I just felt nothing. And don't you dare sit there and be like, oh, well, you're just a bad fan. Like, you know, like you, you should care no matter where they are in the standings. If the Red Sox lose, that should hurt. No, I I think you should only care about the playoffs and the playoffs are not happening. Uh, I'm not saying tank like there's plenty of people like, oh, that's a loser's mentality. You just want them to lose to tank. I don't give a fuck. Like, At this point, lose every fucking game. The if rest we of the are way. in purgatory. If they lose, who cares? If they win, who cares? Yeah, I, I think where it gets tough is, right, like you felt like this team was better than finishing on this kind of note. But at the same time, right, if you want to be 100 percent honest here, you've lost Jaron Duran. You've lost Tristan Casas. You've lost James Paxton. Those are all significant parts of this team. The reason they were in the conversation as long as they were. It's just you've completely fallen through the floor this month. Like we're, we're talking just you're awful. You're horrendous. You're, you're really no other way to put it. You're just getting your brain beat in. And then some of the games like Rob Ref Snyder on what was it? Monday night. Yeah. That is loaded. Eighth, that eighth inning go ahead hit yeah. was the first time they've had an eighth inning go ahead hit since July 30th. So like that's what we've been dealing with for, you know, almost two months at this point. So it's just been a bad brand of baseball for some time. It's, it's hard to watch. We're going to sit here and watch the games because something's mentally wrong with us. But here we are. Just keep losing because <laughs> it's only going to push ownership harder. It's only going to, you know, get you better draft position at this point. So it is what it is. Um, I wanted to tweet that today, but I, I was like, I don't know. Like I, I don't need people complaining being like, don't, don't discourage people from watching. But I was going to tweet something like that today being like, how the fuck? Like I'm sitting here watching these games. Like who, who would do this? Who would do this? Why would you do this? Why would you sit there? If you at, at two o'clock, two o'clock on a Wednesday, who is carving out time to watch this baseball game? Who's doing Dude, the, that? The Rangers are right in the middle of this race, right? Like as interesting as it can get for especially Rangers fans who have been dying to be competitive and be in the conversation. They didn't even have their own fans show up to that ballpark. And here we are, Red Sox fans way out of it, you know, missing multiple pieces of the team. And we're sitting here pushing ourselves. <sighs> Not saying we deserve a round of applause, but think of us. Think of our think suffering, of us. please. Think of the people that still have to watch this team. It's crazy. Anyways, uh, this MLB season, you can turn every Red Sox win. See, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> this MLB season, you can turn every Red Sox win into a win for Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Join me in our efforts to strike out cancer by pledging a donation to the Jimmy Fund. Each Red Sox win this year. Sign up today and DraftKings will match each donation up to $25,000 total. Every total dollar 
makes a difference in the lives of cancer patients and their families in Boston around the world. Visit pledgeit.org slash Jimmy Fund to make your pledge today. <sighs> um, there are some things to talk about, I guess, from a baseball perspective in this series. Not that it's like, you know, it's not a burning issue. Not like most of it. I still come back to who gives a fuck like the the day night splits for Brian Bayo during the day. It's like a seven at night. It's close to two. Like, yeah. All right. What do you attribute that to? I don't know. He likes to fucking sleep. <laughs> like, what do you what do you want from me? What do you want me to say about that? Like, I think what is it? Uh, Catillo had Alex Cora on, asked him about it. And Cora was like, I don't know, dude. What the fuck? Legit. That was like Cora's response. Yeah. He was like. I don't think it really matters. He's like, it's like guys like on pitching on a Thursday. He's like, some guys don't like to pitch on a Thursday. Who gives a fuck? You got to go pitch like and with Bayo, say what it is. He's changed the routine. Core's backed him up on it. It's not like Core's like, yeah, I don't know. He, he kind of shows up here when he does. The guy's getting up earlier. He's doing everything, you know, to try and get his body on a better clock with it. Just has sucked during the day. Like uh, there's not much more to it. I think part of it is. You know, sometimes you just don't have it. I think that's part of learning to be a big leaguer and adjusting to some of this stuff. And what more do you want? Like the exact stats on it. I have them up right here. Nighttime ERA, it's 280 and 103 innings. Daytime ERA, 694 and 48 innings. Not good. It's bad. But like, it's not like he's going out there and he looks visibly, you know, tired or hungover or, you know, we're not talking Matt Harvey over here, right? Like, Today, the one thing I will say about Bayo, he looked as dejected on the mound as we had seen since. So that's something I think that is interesting to talk about. Okay, if the Red Sox were in it, Brian Bayo gets the hook. The Red Sox are not in it. So that was just a learning moment. They were talking about on the broadcast, but before they even said the phrase learning moment, I'm sitting there thinking, damn, like when it when it's all right, it's four nothing. Socks, three run bomb, four three. Game tie and knock, four four. Then it's six four. At six four, you probably take him out of the game, right? Like you're like, all right, dude just doesn't have it today. Sun's up, dude doesn't have it. <laughs> but Cora lets him. He's like, hey man, like uh, I don't know. I, like some of these, some of these guys in the bullpen, they're they're exhausted. Like if you want to go out there and stink up the joint, uh, we're not playing for anything right now. So you've got to wear this. Like we're we're not in it anymore. We're not trying to get a wild card spot. Uh, it's it's more about development, right? Like Casas is he's done for the year. Duran he's done for the year. As far as the young exciting players, it's Rafaela and it's Bayo. And if you want to put Willier in there, fine. But like the two main pieces are Rafael and Bayo. So all right, it's it's not about winning. It's not about the postseason anymore. It's about development. So. Here is a developmental moment. <laughs> like, if you're going to go out there and stink up the joint, uh, you're going to have to wear it because there are going to be times where the bullpen is taxed, the bullpen's tired. And at this point, yeah, I'm sure a lot of guys are banged up back there. And I don't know. Like, it's... Uh, did, did you agree or disagree? I don't think Cora left him out there to die. Like, it's not like he had like a 45 pitch inning like that would be irresponsible, but he was getting tagged and runs were coming in hot. Like he he gave up. Was it were, were all eight runs earned? Yeah, all eight runs were earned, you know, four walks against two K's. Learning obviously moment. not missing bats. 
Mitch Garver also took him deep after Jonah Heim. I think it's one of those things. It's a learning moment. It's also saying like, hey, we look at you as a guy who's going to be a top of the rotation arm. Well, guess what happens when, you know, number one, number two pitchers get hit up. You stay in the fucking game because no matter what, you're going to give your team six innings. You're not the five and dive guy. We're not watching, you know, Tanner Houck or Cutter Crawford. You need to go out there. And usually we've seen with Bayo, he may have a bad inning where he gets tagged for three or four. He can settle down and get you through six and say, I wasn't my best today, but at least I was able to save the bullpen to some degree. He just couldn't do it today. And, you know, some of them said Bayo kept looking at the dugout, looking for help or for someone to pull him. It is what it is. He's at the end of the year. I'm not surprised he's wearing down a little bit either. Not overly sharp. And when it comes to being Alex Cora, it's like Brian Bale's trying to develop two pitches at the big league level right now. Mm-hmm. A new basically sweeper. You know, it's called a slider, but it's changed its movement and grip. And then you're talking about the cutter. This is the only way you're going to get those reps. So, yeah, go out there, wear it. Tanner Houck threw four innings last night. So the bullpen had obviously went and done its part. We know what the bullpen has worn for months at this point. Someone has to go do it, and you have an off day today. Probably wants to give as many guys multiple days off in a row as he could here going into this last stretch. It's just, it is what it is. I didn't think he left Brian Bayo out there to die or anything like that. It's just, hey, if you want to be considered one of the top arms in this league, you got to go try to survive these moments. We're, we've treated you like a top of the rotation arm at different points this year. We've let you work deep. We've pushed you. Well, this is an example where we're doing the same thing. It's just not coming when you're dominating or pushing the envelope because you're having a great day. This is where we just need innings out of you. I don't I don't see the issue with like, I don't think it's sending a message because you don't want to have a bad relationship between a frontline starting pitcher and your manager. It's more just like this is, yeah, it's a learning moment. It's a lesson. Like wear it. Find a way. Find, like you can't just... You can't just like not does. have your best shit and and give up. You can't be like, oh man, like my, my, I don't have a feel for my changeup today, so I'm just gonna look towards the dug. Is anyone gonna take me out of this game? I don't know. Like, learn how to pitch when you don't have your best stuff. Like that, that's something that you're gonna have to do. You're not gonna have your best stuff every time out there. And like, I don't know. You can make whatever points you want to make about the the day night splits, but let's take that out of it for a second and just look at this as. You didn't have it today, but that doesn't mean you throw in the towel and say, ah, get someone else out here today. Like, I don't have my best stuff. Figure it the fuck out. Like, that's what big leaguers do. I'm not trying to come down on Brian Bayo. I'm just saying, like, no, uh, this could be, this could have been anybody out there. This is not like an isolated incident where, like, Brian Bayo needs to learn how to pitch when he doesn't have his best stuff. Could have been anybody out there. And I would have felt the same way if they were a young pitcher. And it's not like he went after the game and pulled a George Kirby or anything. No, where he was like, oh, you know. I didn't have it today and I wish AC came and got me. No, he just took accountability. He's like, I don't understand what's going on with me during these day games. I'm trying everything in my power to do it. Uh, You know, someone mentioned it in the Globe today, just talking about how they put him on like a Nate Evaldi-esque schedule, trying to get his body on that. And everyone who remembers Evaldi, super schedule-oriented guy, really was heavy on that, locked into his routines. Obviously, you faced uh, Evaldi yesterday. It worked for what one start a couple weeks ago when Bayo did the day game and we were all like, oh, look, like it all kind of clicked for him. And then it didn't. It's just something to keep in mind. I think where you just hope this doesn't become a mental thing for him, yeah. where it's like he looks at a day game on the schedule and he's like, fuck, man, like th- that's going to be a bad day for me because uh, we know he's better than that. And I know some people are now citing the ERA and they're like, oh, Brian Bayo's overrated. Brian Bayo's this. Sure, go look at it after he gets fucking smacked around for eight runs. I saw and, those tweets. You know, cite that. It's so I saw lazy. Those tweets, people being like, oh, I think we 
we may have overrated Brian Bayo a little bit. I don't feel that way. It's his rookie season. That's why I said to Maz. Maz was saying the same thing. I was like, Tony, it's his first big league season. And I mean, I think if there's a positive sign here to take out of it, he has played up to his competition. When Brian Bayo has gone up against a good team, a good lineup, he's delivered. Like when it's like, hey, big start at Fenway, pitched well. Oh, you get the Braves tonight, pitched well. Guess what, dude? You got to go out there and pitch in Yankee Stadium. Pitched well. Like right now, you see a lot of guys, at least from like an offensive standpoint, it's like, hey, we got nothing to play for. All right, shut it the fuck down. Like dudes that like, you know, uh, that's what happens. That's what happens when your season is effectively over, but you've got to play out the string. You don't have the same intensity. I actually, I'll share this. There's conversation. guys on this team I'll share right this, now. I'll, share, I'll share this conversation with you. This was. Uh, uh, I, I won't give you the name of the player. I won't give you the name of the player, but it is a player that I talked to, um, who has played for a really good team and a really bad team, and not a Red Sox. No, this year? never played. Never played for the Red Sox. Um. So he was he was in town and we were chatting and I was like, man, you know, you're having a really good year. This is fucking great. And he was very open by being like, do you understand how fucking hard it is to perform in the big leagues when your team is just not winning and not good? And you look around and every like you have no shot at the playoffs like that. Like, I understand that fans think like oh it's it's like it's like a computer game you know you just plug and play these guys show up and you know oh he's a 280 career hitter so if he doesn't hit 280 that means he sucks it's like oh he usually hits 25 home runs he didn't hit 25 home runs you're not factoring in the human element where it is it it already is infinitely difficult to perform at a high level in the big leagues then when you take out the competitive juices it's it's a lot harder than that. And especially like I think maybe if you're in a situation where you're playing for a team that you know is going to suck, like you show up to spring training you're like we're going to suck. Like I know that. Like it's whatever. Like I'm on a shitty team, I just want to perform well, hopefully get traded at the deadline. But in the Red Sox case, it's like there was so much <coughs> hope and optimism and then it wasn't until, I don't know, what, 80 85 80 to 85% of the way through the season is when you officially mailed it in. So like that you you, you died a month ago around this yeah, time. Yeah. Like it, there's just like a more deflating element to we're in it. These games mean something. Let's go. Like if this if this goes right and if this person comes back and if this goes well and if I do this, then we can get into the playoffs and you have those hopes for months and then out of nowhere it's just like by the way, season's over. You still got to play games. You still got to show up. <laughs> You still got to prepare your body for these games, uh, but they don't matter. And uh, we're not really trying that hard. And, you know, like it, like that's why I was talking about on baseball is dead. When Xander Bogarts hit the walk off home run last night, I was like, I get it. I get, <laughs> I get like, it's a walk off home run in the big leagues. It's only the second of his career, but. And this is not a criticism of Xander. I'm just saying, like, this is how I would have handled it. I don't know that I would have had it in me to, like, do the celebration. Dude, if that happened in Boston, I'm not saying there's anything wrong. Like, dude, go 
Padres are the Padres. Like, let them have their fun. They've won seven in a row, whatever. Major disappointments. If you did that in Boston, that would be the opening like Felger and Maz take. Mm-hmm. Like, did you see how they acted yesterday? With I'm not, that say, I'm not saying that are. you got to hit the home run and put your head down and like do it. Do it. No. Like, I'm not saying it like that. I'm just saying that my my genuine reaction, honestly, I would have been mad. Like, I would have just been like, yeah. man, I wish that this fucking meant something. We're better than we. This should have been, you know, the kind of emotions and things we were feeling when we were trying to become you know, one of the most interesting, one of the best teams in baseball before we yeah. fucking let everyone down. It, That's what it should be. Make no mistake about it. It is not lost on me how difficult it is to win a singular game in the big leagues. Like I know, I mean, obviously I can't speak from experience, but like I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I, I don't think that it's hard to win a game in the big leagues. Uh, so yeah, hitting a walk-off home run is exciting, but it's like, I would have just been like, man, we're not even close to making the playoffs. Like I can't, like how am I supposed to get up for this? And that's, Dude, that's it's how like, I feel about watching the games right now. It's like being in school and you know you failed the semester, but you got an A on the second to last test. Yeah. It's like, oh, instead of finishing with like a 30, you're going to finish with a 50. Like, oh, fucking yes, let's go. But, you know, live it up. I think in terms of the Brian Bayo stuff, like if we're just talking for a guy who obviously hit a little bit of a wall around the all-star break, as we saw his last six starts coming into today. Keep in mind who we faced the Blue Jays, the Orioles, the Rays, the Astros, the Astros, the Yankees. 338 ERA, 337 fit in those six starts. So say what you will about him. He got his shit kicked in today. He's been pitching against some good teams, holding his own, working deep when the rest of the rotation hasn't. So I'm not going to overreact to this. I'm not at all. And listen, I know people want to talk about, oh, Brian Bayo, the ace, yada, yada. Like, this is how you guys were talking. I think we've been very honest about some of the bat you know, being able to miss bats and that stuff. That's why he's working on the slider. There's clearly things to improve on as there should be with the pitcher, his age, you know, people want to act like he's like 26. The kid's 24 years old. He's only going to get better and he's hungry to get better. That's the biggest thing there. Um, But you know, when you're talking about missing bats and all that, yeah, that's why I've always said, you know, I thought he was a number two. If everything clicked right now, I'm comfortable. If he's your number three going into next year, there's not a Red Sox fan bitching about it. And I'd feel confident about him. Hopefully the Red Sox go about it that way. Now, could he end up being the number two if they don't properly address the rotation it needs to be? I would hope not. Um, I'd like to give him more room to develop as a young pitcher, but this has been a successful year for Brian Bayo. If you want to frame it any other way, I don't know what to tell you. If he's your number three next year, then you basically had a dream offseason. Oh, yeah. You've hit. You've gotten two major arms and completely reimagined your pitching staff or at least starting rotation. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yamamoto, Nola. Oh, you want Nola? Mm. I like Aaron Nola. There, there's a lot of things to him in terms of his ability to eat innings. And I think this year we've seen he's always been up and down over the years. But the four seamer has jumped back up about a mile and a half uh, in the second half. So it's not really a stuff problem. I guess where I'd be nervous, I don't fucking trust Dave Bush to fix anything. Nothing. You think, do Those you think Dave visits- Bush survives the offseason? I hope not. I, I would like Dave Bush gone. And uh, I think I've been pretty consistent on that take when it comes to him. But look at Ryan Brazier. I- I'd be embarrassed if I was Dave Bush, man. I-, I really would. Sitting here, you held on to Dave or on to Ryan Brazier all this time. They told him to start throwing a fucking cutter. And he's now an elite reliever. Like, how do you feel about yourself? Like, Zach Littell, even. Look at what he's doing down in Tampa Bay. And I'm not saying you're Tampa Bay or anything like that. You kind of watch these different arms. Jeffrey Springs over the years come through. And that's not saying that 
he hasn't got guys on track or whatever it may be. I just I don't look at Dave Bush. I don't like how he's kind of utilized Garrett Whitlock's stuff, his arsenal. Uh, Red Sox stats had a great kind of tweet showing just where they're using his sinker and keeping it in the middle of the strike zone all the time and how it makes no sense. Even Brian Bale at times this year and some of the ways his whole pitch usage is kind of gone have been questionable. So and I, I look at Tanner Helk a little Tanner Helk a little bit and saying a guy that just hasn't been able to take that step. You haven't seen the development and there's been, you know, a cutter implemented, a splitter implemented. I just feel like I haven't watched the pitching staff take major strides or jumps underneath them. And if you're hoping to match some of these organizations that do that, I don't know. I think you could use a reset there. I think you could use a reset really in multiple parts of this coaching staff outside of Cora. And I really like Kyle Hudson as well. I think he's done a pretty good job as an outfield instructor. How many, uh, um, when you're talking about like the Garrett Whitlock stuff specifically, the sinker being in the middle of the zone, how much of that do you put on Dave Bush and how much do you put on the analytics department? Because like that's their uh, that's their fucking job. They're not just it's both. Yeah, yeah. they're not just like spitting out these progress reports and being like, here's what the lineup should be like. There there are heat maps like there's all kinds of shit that the analytics team is looking at where you can determine where a guy should be pitched. Pretty, I don't want to say pretty easily. There's someone in mind that I'm thinking of that I that maybe maybe I'll ask him to come on the podcast to have a conversation about this. I won't say his name, um, because it, actually he's no longer working for a major league team, but he worked he worked for a team in the American League East, and he's very very smart with like data. And he's very he's very good at making he's very good at explaining it so that you don't sound like he's talking in another language. So maybe maybe we'll have him on to kind of because he loves it. Like he'll he'll sit there and break it down for you. Uh, Like if we were like, hey, like uh, if you were the Red Sox pitching coach, what changes would you make? And then he would just break it down. Maybe we'll get him hired by the Red Sox. I don't know. Listen, I'm not I hate advocating for people to lose their jobs like it's not that kind of thing I just I look at Dave Bush and I don't view the Red Sox turning into a pitching lab or at least starting to take the steps towards that and that's just concerning to me and if you want to cite me someone like John Schreiber I don't attribute that to Dave Bush I don't because that's a guy who made those strides down in AAA kind of working kinks out doing different stuff down there Um, so I don't know I, I just I have not been very impressed with Dave Bush and I'm not blaming the pitching staff on him like as a whole just in terms of what it is Right. But I'm more just talking about pitchers kind of stepping up to another level, unlocking stuff. I feel like that has not been a common thing, at least the last couple of years. That's my and you've point. Watched, That's my you've point. watched guys leave yeah. and do that. And it's like, come on, man. Ryan Brazier, like. That's all it took. He spent fucking five days learning how to throw a pitch and he was fixed. And you sat here again and again, tweaking, 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 and you couldn't fix him like that is that's like sitting there and working on a car for two years and you brought it to the mechanic and he fixed it in five fucking minutes. Yeah. Like, how do you justify that to anybody? That's so so I don't want to put that all on Dave Bush, you know, like maybe maybe it was I don't even know who who the fuck is the pitching coach in, in L.A. still the dude that complained about the bullpens during the World Series. Um, I think so. What's his fucking name? Honeycutt, uh, Rick hold, Honeycutt. Yeah, Rick Honeycutt. Yep. Is he still the is he still the pitching coach, or is he the um, bullpen coach? 
Hold on, hold on. I'm pulling up their whole. That was one of my favorite Section here. Ten segments of all time. Oh no, it's Mark Pryor. What? Wait. So what? Yes. Is, what does Rick Honeycutt do? Did he retire? No. Let's look. Let's pull up the Wikipedia page. Oh, I gotta find that clip now. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, he stepped down as pitching coach after 2019, and now he's like a special assistant for the organization. And I believe that's when Mark Pryor took over. Is Honeycut spelled this like like phonetically? Just Honeycut uh, with two T's. With two T's. Yes, sir. Oh, <laughs> Dodgers pitching coach being like, oh, God. you know what? The Fenway Park bullpens are too close to the fans. It's insane. <laughs> You're warming up and the fans are three feet away. It's preposterous. This guy's out here complaining about the bullpens like they just fucking built them Dude. before game one of the World Series. He's acting like, and this quote must have been after game one. So it's like he's coming in from the bullpen like, are you guys seeing this? <laughs> yeah. Are you seeing how close these things are to the seats? This is a problem. Yeah. Like, dude, that's been there for like, what, 60 years? Yeah, I, I thought he was complaining about the bullpens in the 1946 World Series. I thought he was like, I can't believe that these people, I mean, we're worried about the Japanese and you guys are building bullpens. It was before Pearl Harbor. These bullpens have been here before Ben Affleck fought for this country. <laughs> That's great. Why does my voice sound? I don't sound like that anymore. No, I, it's almost like a little higher. I would yeah, say. like I sound like a little boy. I don't know. I got some fucking kinda... bass in my voice now. <laughs> you're, you're maturing over here. Acknowledge uh, old man. Me. I'm just fucking. I got some. I got my balls dropped. Welcome to the club. Yeah. What is that? I don't sound like that. I, I think you're there's another level of your balls dropping once you hit 30, like right in there. Like, don't get me wrong. Obviously, when you're a teenager, you get the first ball drop. But, yeah. You know, I don't want to assume anything about your scrotum, Jared, but it feels knee level. It's is down there. It's kneecaps, right? It is is kind of like ankles right now. But that Whoa. was that was crazy. That was 2018. I turned 30 the next years ago. Five years ago. I was 30 in 2019. I probably turned 30 like fucking three months after that clip. Well, that explains it. That's when your nuts kind of fell to the next level. I guess. That was shocking. That was shocking. I'm excited to see what happens when I turn 30. Like if I'm talking about my scrotum, it's about thigh high. You're going to be donezo. Donezo? What do you mean? Death? Probably, yeah. You're gonna have like I wouldn't be surprised. Have like diabetes and shit by then. All right, what? The, the, the diabetes. Saying, hey. why, why put something like that I'm on me? Saying, I'm a healthy like, boy. Hey, I didn't say it. <laughs> Off-season Millikan's about to be fucking out here again. Are you gonna are you gonna work out at the Rocket Performance Center? Listen, I'm here. I'm willing to do anything at the Rocket Performance Center. Uh, I would love for I would love for you to be able to to work out. I, I would love to put you on a program. Please. I'll Take look. me under your wing, Jared. I will. Is this Dave Bush? It's Dave Bush. <laughs> hey, what's up? How we doing? Hey, remember when Rick Honeycutt was all pissed about the bullpens being too close to the field? Oh, my God. Who could forget <laughs> that? <laughs> yeah, he... I mean, Rick Honeycutt, I mean, he came in 2018 World Series. We just, we just, played, we just played a clip uh, from 2018... Uh, section 10, the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I don't sound like that anymore. My voice is completely different. My, I don't sound like that anymore. I think you kind of had some of the the boxing accent thing going. No, on it, bit, it's honestly. it's not even in the accent. I sound like a little boy. Like I sound like a man now, but I sounded like a boy back then. You kind of sound extra mannish right now. Have you added more man to the voice this it's year? It's in your head. It's not in my head. This is a this, little bit. No, I don't know what. I, no, listen, no, no. Steve, no, Steve. It's <laughs> no, not. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but that that was I didn't realize that this is an eye opening. This has been an eye opening experience for me. Um, Steve, I'm trying to wait real quick. Go, real go ahead. Quick, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm trying to remember what sparked it. What sparked those comments? Uh, I think like Clayton Kershaw was warming up in the bullpen Kershaw, and like Kershaw, fans right. were taunting him, like warming up for the World Series. And then Rick Honeycutt was like, these bullpens are way too fucking close to the fans. And then <laughs> uh, I, we looked it up like they added they added the bullpens before Pearl Harbor. Dude, by far the funniest part is that this guy never knew the bullpens were that close to the fans. Fenway Park has only been this way for, I don't know, 111 years at this point. Like, yeah. okay, yeah, now he finds it out. Like, they, I'm pretty sure they, what is it? Like, I'm going to throw out a year, 1939. When did the Red Sox add bullpens to yeah, Fenway Park? Like 80 years ago. Park. 1940. 1940. Yeah. So that's why I said Pearl Harbor. It was the it was the fucking it was the year before Pearl Harbor. Yeah, that's kind of what I was guessing. I was going to guess the year before, so I'm glad you clarified that. Yeah, but no, those comments were hilarious. Wait, why did that just come up now? Uh, because we were talking about Dave Bush, and then we were talking about how Brazier went to the Dodgers and uh, became really good. And I was like, Is Rick Honeycutt still there? <laughs> like that's that's honestly how we got there are you guys uh feeling the same amount of like what the hell do we do for these last two weeks of shows why do you, you think i'm calling you right now i have no idea what to talk no, about you don't have to say it <laughs> i mean i i, I literally no, i mean I, I i got the call and i was just like oh they must be like really low right now yeah on, on what, well, to, what to talk about yeah, yeah. even I before breaking news what the red Sox have officially been eliminated from the postseason right now right now I don't know if you're going to Oh, I thought that wasn't going to happen until tomorrow. That happened right now? Really? Yep. just happened. Wait, so they can't uh, make yeah. it at all? No, but it's, Damn it's it. cooked. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! They can't, they can't even, like, backdoor their way in somehow? Like, if, if they win out and someone else loses out, if everyone loses? It's, it's cooked. They could win every game along oh, the way. God, they, I was hoping Seattle was going to crash or something. <laughs> Shit. They, wait. If the Red Sox win out there's no way they can get in no they, they'd finish with what 82 wins they get if they got a win out to hit 82 that doesn't oh. sound right that's wrong that's i think 84 84 84 84 out. excuse yeah. me yeah they can hit 84 wins if they went out wait question Nine for you guys left. yeah we, we were trying to break this down of like where we actually think they're going to finish i think it's going to be exactly the same as last year 78 and 84 that would be three and six the rest of the way where you guys got them <laughs> Uh, th that feels about right and we were talking about how it's just kind of depressing because it really did feel like throughout this year we all looked at this team as being you know better than that team let's, felt let's like there was even a small Tyler, step forward shut the fuck up for one second let's, fuck you jared fuck you let's let all right so they got three no yeah they got three against the white Sox. then they have 
two against the Rays, and then four against the Orioles in Baltimore. They Who finished, should be punting? They finished the fucking season with a four-game road trip in one series? Yeah, my guess is that Baltimore is going to have the AL East locked up with, like, I don't know, after the first game of that series. So maybe the last three don't <laughs> matter to them, and that's where the Red Sox are like, here's our chance. To pounce. No We're going to have a better record than no last way. year and win the last no race. Did you hear what Alice Cora said today? Starting the A, guys. You know- he goes, listen, we're playing the full lineup. We don't give a fuck. He's like, fans are coming yeah. out. We are not going to be just, you know, throwing out bullshit lineups. We're going full go down the stretch here. So they're playing for those 78 wins. Well, I mean, the, he said that and then half the fucking team went on the injured list. Well, yeah, that's that's the other. Didn't uh, didn't fucking whatever his name is. Um, and Manuel Valdez. Didn't he uh, got scratched tonight? Yeah, he got scratched tonight. So what is that? Yeah, I mean, who who the hell knows? I, I'm just wondering if JT is going to collapse up there. We're thinking he's trying to get to that hundred RBI mark. Yeah, well, fucking Catillo is writing these articles, being like, <laughs> why, why isn't why isn't Justin Turner being shut down for the year? <laughs> like, who cares? Yeah, the thing, the thing I found funny about that is as if like Core is forcing JT to go out there. You think they didn't have a combo, right? About if he's going to play these last nine meaningless games? Of course, he wants to be out there. It's right. not like. He's hobbling in the clubhouse like, Skip, let me, please let me sit. Also, Justin Turner (laughs) is not like some fucking prospect where it's like, oh, man, we really got to be careful with his health. He's fucking 45 years old and he's never driven in 100 runs in his career. You don't think he wants to like he's he's going out there. A, A, to set an example for the younger players, I think, to lead by example and and be a dog. I think he's out there being a a fucking dog. But I think he's also like, that'd be pretty cool to drive in 100 runs. I don't know. I don't need Chris Cotillo trying to keep me (laughs) out of the fucking lineup when I'm on the precipice of not just driving in 100 runs for the first time in my career, but like I'm on one foot and I'm still having one of my best offensive seasons I've ever had. Chris, I think JT is going to go back out there. I think he's going to play all of the games just to rub it in Cotillo's face. I, I hope he I does. I hope he does. I hope he has a game where he drives in his 100th run of the season. And then in the press conference, he's like, I just want to say fuck you to Chris Cotillo. <laughs> and that's also right in JT's wheelhouse to say that in a presser. Yeah. To say F off to somebody. That's his thing. Yeah. I, he's done it before. Yeah. This yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is uh one two three four five six seven. All right, yeah, we're we're in the process of witnessing Justin Turner's eighth best offensive season of his career, and you just want to you yeah. Did you say his eighth best? What are you talking about? His eighth best offensive season of his career. He's had seven better offensive seasons than this. Uh, by offensive wins above replacement, yes. Oh, OPS okay. plus checks out as well. OPS plus. I only I only go off of I only go off batting average, so I was thrown off by that. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're, you're a real fucking idiot when it comes to that. <laughs> I'm just impressed, dude. The fact that he almost has 100 RBIs is is pretty damn good. I mean, but, um, the the crazy part is he's not even he's not even close to his seventh best. <laughs> season <laughs> offensively i i would have guessed if you were to tell me before looking at the numbers like where would you say justin turner's at in terms of at, like best offensive years he's ever had like what are we at right now 118 
So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I've got nine seasons better. This might be his 10th. By weighted runs created plus, this is his 10th best <laughs> offensive season. Well, I think he's going, he's still going out there because this season has sucked for him. I think he's been next to terrible and he's trying to pad his staff. That's where we're at. You think this is about the Hall of Fame? I think it's about the Hall of Fame because he's kind of been trashed this year, as you just mentioned. Yeah. And now forget Cattillo. He's just trying to get to respectable numbers in these last nine years. Seven, eight, nine. This is his, yeah, this is his 10th best season by OPS+. Plus. <laughs> Gee, that's, I, you could have stumped me with that. There's no chance I would have guessed it. So where do you have them with the record? What, what's the final record? I don't think they win another game for the rest of the year. I do. I believe that. Not one. Then I think it's swept by the White Sox. You don't believe that. The White Sox won the World Series in 2005. Oh, I didn't even factor that in. Yeah. God damn it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They might not win another one. That's what damn I'm saying. It. Like they have uh, they have Andrew Benintendi, 2018 World Series champion. That's a plus. Team. That's a plus for the Red Sox. 28. No, it's not. Tyler. Fucking, I don't know what Tyler has against Andrew Benintendi. I don't know if like Martha was like, ooh, Benny, like he's so beautiful. He, you think he, Benny fucked my girlfriend? No, no, no. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I just said I think that you you might have some some Steve. jealousy there and some deep seated. Wait, guys, no. guys, guys, uh, Steve, guys, Steve, guys. Steve. What? Wait, Steve. What? Did he just say Benny fucked my girlfriend? I didn't say that. I don't, guys, guys, guys. Oh, let's play a game. Let's play a game. Series in '83. Damn yeah. it, the Orioles. Oh. Orioles 2014 division champions for a reason. Also, they're probably going to be the 2023 AL East champions as well. Jared, uh, what did Benintendi sign for this offseason? What did he sign for? Five years, 70 maybe? Oh, no. He has a 90 OPS plus. Oh, no. Oh, oh Jesus. Oh, his, uh, his, his, Wait, you guys, you, get, you guys are really upset at each other. Right? Did, did, I just, did, did you call it a time where you really got a big fight going on here? What's going on? Between no, there's no, there's no, I just, he, he doesn't like Andrew Benintendi. He, he doesn't like Tyler still hasn't grasped the fact that you can like players that maybe aren't having good years. He, you know, I have, a, I have a bone to pick with Tyler. All right, go ahead. What? Tyler. The season's been over for a little bit, right? Correct. It ended when he He's started still, going to games. Tyler's so. still tweeting out like all caps highlight videos. Uh, like, what are we doing, Tyler? What are uh, we doing? You got to feel some. Listen, no. when the Red Sox, they have not held many leads lately. So when you actually come out here oh, and you're hoping to have no. more than 78 wins, Tyler. you're going to get a little excitement no, from me. A little bit. Not, Tyler. Let me look at Tyler. You're going to. Let me look at Tyler. <laughs> don't look. Don't. Don't. Let me delete. Let me Hold on. What have you let me delete all, right. all of them. This is an awkward time to talk about oh. this. Oh. I was hacked. Oh, by I was way, hacked Congratulations on 30K, Tyler. Thank you. It only oh, took nice. 600,000 tweets to get there. Um, hey, Tyler's one of the, the most rapid growing Red Sox accounts in, in, our, in our field. Yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah, I thank want, you, S. Yeah, I wonder why. Uh, let's see. I wonder this is, why. Um, I'm waiting to see. Oh. Man, you guys are beefing right now. We're Dude. not fucking beefing. I'm just trying to see his dumbass tweets. All My right, good ass. Here tweets. it is. Here it is. Here it is. Adam Duvall <laughs> with a three-run blast in all caps. Why? I, I I don't even think I tweeted this home run. Well, okay. <laughs> I was waiting it out in traffic as I was driving home today, and I was okay. so excited when the Red Sox page posted it okay. that I was ready to strike. Yeah, I mean, like that's another thing too is like the Red Sox are so irrelevant that people that usually tweet clips like don't even 
tweet the Red Sox highlights anymore because they're like, clearly the, the only asshole that's tweeting these is Tyler Milliken. Like no one else, <laughs> like you no one what? else is even tweeting Red Sox highlights. So shut it down, you, and that's what's happened. You were on I'll your fucking hands and knees, though. Like he's still doing it. The season's over. I'm, he's still I'm doing still, it. So there is that I'm still tweeting. I have to find ways to tweet Red Sox highlights while also letting people know. Just like, all right, I'm putting out the highlight, but I need you guys to know that I don't care that this happened. You know how hard from, it is to come to the catch? Guys, guys, from the fifth inning on today, how stupid did you feel watching that game? So stupid. How stupid. I was embarrassed. Stupid. We felt like idiots sitting there watching that. I'm like, why? Why? What an idiot. What a dumb idiot watching this game. Why am I watching this? Like, I we, tweeted, we do it. We're 162 uh, guys. I tweeted, uh, Bobby Dahlbeck, I said, there oh. goes my hero. Watch Bob as he goes. Who posted that? Me. No. <laughs> Who posted the video? Yeah, no, I'm saying like I I tweeted the video in all caps because I like Bob. But I fucking cut it for you, so you should be nice to me. I am How nice. I am nice. I'm just saying like I don't S-dog. know. S-Dog. S-Dog. Has he been nice to me? I think he's talking oh, about S-Dog. Steve. Steve, I, I, Steve I'm, that's the part I'm, when you I'm talk. okay with that, surprisingly. Um, oh, my God. Yes. No, you guys are, you guys are beef, and I don't really know what the Steve, deal is. Is that the last the time Bobby hits Steve. The Steve, all right. So the thing about Steve is he fucking sucks at nicknames. So he would like a shitty nickname given out by Tyler. That's the only reason. I don't reason give nicknames out often. You just like did. That. You called fucking. Uh, you call. You called Jeremy J Dog, and now you're calling Steve S Dog, which has I'm no. Fine with that dog. <laughs> no, 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 no. I try to listen to the person and feel out their energy, and if they remind me of a dog, I'm gonna call them. You know, first initial dog. There, I used to call like Jake, Jake Crunch, Crunch, you know, he's bar crunch <laughs> and fucking what was the terrible one that you had for Devin Marrero? Oh, Swaggy D. Oh, my God. <laughs> they were all awful and neither player was worthy of a nickname. Neither player. Uh, I mean, I partially did it because I knew you hated it so much. I but still no, just, I hate yeah. them. I hate the I hate the nicknames. I like the the players are fine. The players are fine. I like yeah. Dev Marrero. I like Heath Hembry. But Heath Bar Crunch. You got to. Do you, kind of you come up with any stupid ass nicknames this year? No, no. I mean, you're the nickname guy. I'm no, not, I, I don't I'm not even like I, like I can't like I don't even think I've I've done a nickname in years because it's like, how the fuck are you going to give nicknames to players on last place teams? You can't oh, do that. No, you did give a nickname yeah. this year. I did. Who? Um, Brennan Bernardino. Joey Botafogo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Whatever we called uh, Mauricio Jovera. Oh, Big Loosh. <laughs> those were those were our two. Big Loosh, Joey Botafogo, and then um, uh, what was the other one? There was one more. Jorge Alfaro. Did you give one to him? No. Bomb. No. Man, I forgot he was even here. Oh my God, Alfaro. Oh. Jeez. Aquaman. Oh, <sighs> Oh, who's that? Yeah, yeah. That's you. Aquaman. Me? Yes. I fucking hate Jorge Alfaro. You were leading the fucking <laughs> Jorge Alfaro See? fan club. See, keep keep I... Connor Wong in AAA because he's not fun. He's not fun enough for me. I, I spoke to him one time and he wasn't fun. I didn't say I spoke to him one time. I said. What was it? You had some dumbass reason. Uh, I think it was last year. 
Christian Arroyo was in the clubhouse and he was like, uh, he was pretending to be a reporter holding up his phone and like a media scrum with Connor Wong and he didn't laugh. And I was like, ah, oh, come on, that's funny. Would Jason Veritek laugh? Arroyo, he was good. Arroyo was great. Arroyo was great. I, uh, sucks, man. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, you know. Uh, real quick to, to close here, I just have some mozzarella sticks yet here. Are we doing that Titanic uh, watch party? Yes. Yes, we are. Yes, All we right. are. Just let me know. Keep, keep me in the loop. All right. Well, I need to look at like the playoff schedule. Like, I think what we're probably going to have to do is plan for it to be on one of the travel days during the World Series. Okay. That's fine. So it would be like, that works. like it would be like in between game two and three of the World Series. Okay. That works. Uh, uh, Jared, T Dog, really appreciate you guys. Hey, appreciate um, you, S Dog. Hey, thanks for calling in, man. All right. Take care. All right. It's uh, Steve Perot. <laughs> Steve Perot of uh, Bleacher Report, I think. That's what they say. Mm-hmm. A Frenchman. Sorry, I, I'm sorry I did that in front of him. What did you do? Me and you, we had a we had a tiff. I didn't have a tiff. Did you have a tiff? I had a little bit of a tiff. What happened? I don't know. Are you I lashing think out you, because of the Red Sox? When you... When you said the S dog thing, that really got to me. There, <laughs> I put a lot of time into that. How long? Have you I should have called him P dog. No, no. Hmm. Could have called him like. You should have called him uh, like sunscreen. Sunscreen. Yeah. I I will say I have this weird anger building up inside of me every time oh, I was it Jake weird or is it just like a. What happens when you see young defenseless animals? No, I, I well maybe the result will be on a young defenseless animal. <laughs> but seeing Jake just makes me really upset lately. Why? The camera. Why? Because he's he looks amazing. That pisses you off. Why can't you be I, happy for him? I feel like I'm. It looks like I'm recording in a U-Haul. Like it, <laughs> it looks awful. I feel like I'm in a storage unit. You are. I mean, like your def- Jake looks so professional. Yeah, but like you act like you have like this great setup. It sucks. Like Jake's setup is good. That's why it looks good. Yours, you look like you're in a cubicle. Well, you see this one massive green screen. That's all one. I know it looks like it's like two different colors or something like that. It is all one. Right. Um, I need see, to do some remodeling. This, like this is not this this background that I have here is not like that's real. Like it's not a green screen. That's black brick. And I did that. I, I, for the podcast jake has a background that he put some time and effort into that's a podcast you look like you're crawling out of like the wreckage of like some sort of like tornado well people who remember a year ago it's better than it was a year ago it looks when it used to just be my bedroom now it's a green screen well attempted green screen it looks great like the the i'll be outside next year the crazy part about it is like yes it's a green screen but you don't put anything on it so like you could have put any color back there at all but now you just look like an asshole in front of a green screen that isn't being used green's my favorite color oh okay I, you didn't say that it's actually not even a green screen it's a, it's another color but i i make ah it silly mm-hmm. right ad read things are heating up in the ballpark <laughs> are they every team is playing to finish the season strong and make it to the playoffs, except for the Red Sox. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you won't miss a moment 
of the baseball action. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball. Plus, all customers can take a crack at a sweet payday with DraftKings Same Game Parlay. String together some multiple bets from a single game for your shot at a major payout. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code Jared, J-A-R-E-D. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets by betting just $5 on baseball <coughs> only on the DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code Jared. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after insurance. Opt-in and 10-plus leg requirement for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. Would you like to talk about some uh, potential general manager candidates? Yeah, I think that's the most exciting thing going on in Red Sox land that's right now. That's the only exciting thing that's going on right now. Like We I, have a clip to play. We do? Did you not see Tyler Milliken feet Ken Rosenthal over the last couple of days? I'm sorry. Oh, see, listen, Jared, when you're not paying attention to me, things happen. And, <laughs> you know, I get lost in the shuffle, it seems. What? Wait, what? I saw I saw like Ken Rosenthal tweeted like, hey, we're doing our podcast. Like, does anyone have any questions? And you're like, <laughs> I do. I have a question, <laughs> Ken Rosenthal. <laughs> like, bro, like you're on. You're on a podcast. Like you is that lame? Yes. What I did? Yep. Dude, what was I the thought question? it was I just was like, who do you think is gonna be the leading candidate right now to I just sent you the audio clip if you want to play it. Email or um, DM. DM. Uh if I you know to replace time blue. What did you say last episode? It's always the national guys that get these scoops that kind of get the intel. It's never the beat. I have a question. So, Ken. I said you know what? Mr. Journalist Tyler Mr. on the go Rosenthal, here. Please answer my question. I have one. All right. Here it is. Here's Ken Rosenthal answering fan Twitter fan question. <laughs> fucking. You're a dickhead. Tyler dude. Milliken. Just some fucking idiot on Twitter. Let's go to the next one. This next question comes from Tyler Milliken. Tyler asks, who do you consider to be the number one candidate to lead the Red Sox front office moving forward? Depends what ownership wants, Tyler. And I'm not sure what they're going to want at this point. They kind of bounce all over the place. They went from Ben Sherrington, who is sort of a homegrown executive, to Dave Dombrowski, the ultimate free agent executive, to Haim Bloom, who came from Tampa Bay, which is why they were so focused on efficiency. And he seemed to be the perfect fit for that. It would seem to me they'd go to somebody experienced, quite obviously. Few names have been mentioned already. Sam Fold, who's the general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, is one. But the leading candidate in my mind might be Mike Hazen of the Arizona Diamondbacks, if he wants to leave Arizona and go back to Boston. Mike Hazen has run the Diamondbacks for a few years now. He started his career with the Red Sox. He's done a pretty terrific job this season, especially with this team. They've built their farm system up. They've Supplemented, made a good trade for Guriel and Gabriel Moreno. 
they're in a good spot, the Diamondbacks. So I would expect the Red Sox will at least talk to Mike Hazen. And there are other candidates as well. I don't want to give anybody short shrift. Don't start writing and texting me and saying I left you out. I'm sure I'm missing a few. But Hazen stands out to me as we look at this right now. Let's go to the next one. Our next question comes in from a young fan in Boston. Loves his Red Sox. Tyler Milikin. Listen, me and Ken are boys. We're tight. It's like one of those things. Number? Like, hey, bro. That was number? Right now? Yeah. Uh, I My I last phone. I got I his number. It. We've texted tell, before. Tell him to text my new number. No, 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 no. He no? No, he doesn't like you. You could tell. All, listen, I am starving for any information we can get right now. And I was trying to find different ways we could have a conversation, different things we could talk about. Maybe there was a little intel. I was doing some work. I'm desperate. What's wrong? I'm just no, I'm just I'm I'm reading through my text history with Ken Rosenthal and he I mean he uh there's I don't even know how I got his number. Maybe it was like when he called into uh starting nine in like 2017. So it's definitely like he did he definitely didn't give it to me. Like I definitely shysty got it. But I've texted him twice ever. And I think it once was about like Brody Van Wagenen. And then the other time was about wow. the uh, 2020 situation with like all that shit. I don't know. <clears throat> Ken's a good guy. Ken's a good guy. I feel lame now. Oh, you are. Yeah. Yeah. Am I too like, am I like being on a podcast like this? Is it lame to act like that a little bit? A little bit. I'm a normal guy. I, I still consider myself you're, hey, regular. You're a normal guy. You're a normal guy. Casual tea. Casual yeah. tie. Yeah. Every guy tie. Regular guy tie. You What's know? Up? I eat the 99, baby. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> yeah. What? What do you mean? Eh. You're not about it like I am. Uh, Buddy, I what? told you I went to the 99 in East Bridgewater you by my damn that. self on Saturday night. I'm insulted you didn't bring me to my second home 99 and I would have gone with you and I would have showed you how you it's th- done. You think I know how close East Bridgewater is to Brockton? I have no idea. So that's so crazy to me because Bridgewater is what I consider. It's legit. I live on the West Bridgewater line. That's right where I'm at. Yeah, I had no idea to be perfectly honest with you because you don't give a fuck to come say what's up to me, bro. I was in Brockton and you wouldn't come hang out with me. I was at the Savannah Bananas game in Brockton and I was like, Tyler, please come to this game. And you were like, honestly, Walk yourself. Don't make me do it. It's crazy. Do it. Don't don't make me do, do it. it. Do it. How dare you spit on my dead uncle, Jared Carrasco? <laughs> that wasn't the same day. Was the wasn't it or the day before? No, it was the Savannah Bananas. Yes. No, it was the day before. <laughs> Wait, I'm the day before you. what? The funeral. I don't think so. I don't think that that's spare true. me. Jake, fact check that. Jake, thank you. I'm right. He's nodding his head up and down for those who are listening. Um, I will say on the Mike Hazen thing, uh-huh. just to get us back to where we were. Hmm. Now, that comes out. That followed the Buster Olney uh, report that came like 24 hours earlier of him saying that's kind of the guy he's hearing as well that the Red Sox could be interested in. Well, obviously, the Diamondbacks started to get a little sensitive. Derek Hall, their president and CEO, he basically talks to their lead beat reporter down there and he goes, 
you know, just talking about if Mike Hazen wanted to speak with the Red Sox, that would be a tough one. I feel like we both negotiated a contract for a reason. Contracts oh. protect him just as they protect us. He's aware of that. He's meant a lot to this franchise. I really like the situation he has navigated and created here. So I just can't see us going in a different direction. Keep in mind when it comes to Hazen and everything, he still has one more year under contract and then a club option for 2025. When the Red Sox tried to reach out in 2019, they extended him. So, I mean, it would sound like it would sound like to me that you can rule out Mike Hazen because if they're that sensitive and protective of Mike Hazen, what, what kind of change of heart? Unless Mike Hazen goes to them and says, hey, guys, this is where I want to be. Like, I, it's my I dream. want to be in Boston. Um, then they would kind of be forced to trade him. I mean, there would be some form of compensation. No, like the Red Sox got compensation for the Epstein, right? That's what it would have to be. And then you also factor in, I will say, I, I don't think this changes it much. Hazen declined to comment. There was nothing from him in that article. And, uh, you know, just throughout the article, they did mention that, you know, Derek Hall, he hasn't been reached out to the Red Sox by the Red Sox at all. No one's tried yet. Now, obviously, this whole search just started. Who knows? Maybe it does change when he reaches out. But as we highlighted last episode, there's a lot of family dynamics there for Hazen and everything he's kind of been going through that would make this seem even less likely. But there's obviously smoke. People are talking about it. Multiple people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm only talking about it just because, like I said, you kind of just go back to what you know. And. Which, if that's the case, that's what leads me back to Eddie Romero, right? Like, for as much as I like Mike Hazen, um, Eddie's been here the whole time. Like, Hazen's been gone for a while. Eddie knows the system inside and out. Like, I think when, when the second that Heim was fired, I think one of the biggest concerns that came from Red Sox fans was, fuck. Now, whoever comes in, they're going to take over and they're not going to have any type of uh, emotional attachment to the prospects. Now they're going to fucking trade like all of our top prospects for pitching in an attempt to impress the fan base right away. Well, guess who still has uh, an emotional attachment to the to the prospects? Eddie Romero. Like He's been here. And, and I don't know, like, like the whole thing about uh, B.O.H., the what 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 is the position that they kind of like offered him? It's kind of bullshit, right? Like it, it's Brian O'Halloran. Yeah, yeah, it's a senior executive position, but they took the GM position away from him. Right. Like it's not like they were like, oh, you know, here you go. They're basically telling him we don't want you to be our GM anymore. Yeah, like they're basically saying uh, we don't want to scapegoat you. Like we don't want you to be our general manager anymore, but we want to make sure we fire Heim so that only Heim gets thrown to the wolves. You know, BOH has been there for a long time. It's like, we're not trying to like, you know, say you're both responsible. Like we hired Heim to eventually fire him so that, you know, we can blame him for Mookie Betts and everything like that. Uh, But yeah, it sounds like it's a it's a lateral move where you're not our general. He hasn't accepted it. Yeah, he hasn't accepted it yet. I'm actually curious. I'm curious uh, in that conversation that the Red Sox had with Heim when they fired him. 
did they offer the chance to stay in a different role? Time? Yeah. They offered it to Ben Charrington. The precedent. I feel like we would have. I feel like we would have heard about it by now. No, no, no. You don't think so? Mm -mm. Continue. (laughs) I have nothing else to add, but I just. No. I I have nothing else uh, to add. It, I think the Charrington thing was a little different, though, because when you tell that guy, it's like, all right, well, look who's coming. Was in it here, different? Right. Was it different? Well, yeah, you you had someone you were ready to do. You didn't have to do a search at that point. You were like, David Dombrowski's our guy. We're, he's going to be president of baseball operations. Ben Charrington, you're the GM. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can be here, mm-hmm. but there's going to be a guy placed above you. Haim mm-hmm. was, you know, the Pobo. It's a different title. It's CBO. But they're really... It's hard to move that guy in one direction or the other here. And I think if we're talking about ownership in some of that fall guy conversation, someone had to be the fall guy. And it, it fell on Heim's shoulders. Uh-huh. So, like, I, I don't know. I, I'd be surprised if they offered him another another position here or you another way he could stay. Be surprised. Yeah, I'd be surprised. Be surprised to learn that. I don't think it's anything, like, against Heim. I just think mm-hmm. they looked at it and, like, when you're the big dog in the company telling you to go somewhere else, come on, man. Now, like, don't insult me. Don't insult yeah, me. That no, I, I agree. All right. Put it this way. I'm not sitting here saying that I think Heim will accept a different role in the Red Sox. Like, Heim's gone. Heim's gone. Like, if you're getting, like, giddy thinking, like, oh, what does he know? Like, is, is he going to come back in a different role? No. The answer is no. <laughs> um. At least for now. Uh, but I am curious, was it offered? Was he offered a chance to stay? Like, hey, you know, listen, <clears throat> you tried it. It didn't work out. Uh, but there's still a lot to like. Like, here's how I'm picturing this conversation going in a, in a hypothetical sense, right? You want me to be Heim? No. <laughs> I like role play. I mean, because this is just is how, like how, how I could see it being worded because it's the truth. Did they go in there and bullshit them or did they go in there with the truth? Because the truth would be something along these lines. Listen, you're great at what you do. You're smart. You're honest. You're a good guy. You're someone that people want to work with and be around. But you lack that killer instinct. And if you're going to be the top of the top, you've got to have that killer instinct. And one of the criticisms of Heim was he was too nice. He was too nice. He was too honest. He wasn't willing to be shysty and cutthroat. And that's probably a good thing. And in the long term, uh, in terms of being a good dude, those are all good things. Hey, you're not you're not a piece of shit enough for this role. <clears throat> where it is a cutthroat business. That being said, there are a lot of things that you did well that would still benefit this organization. Like, I, I think, and this is my opinion, Heim would be a great number two behind someone who's willing to be cutthroat. It's almost like if you had a three-headed monster, like, I would want Heim to be one of those heads. But it's it's kind of what I was saying all along when, you know, I get asked, was that a good move? Was firing Heim a good move? If you're asking me as a two-part question, was hiring him a mistake? No. Because to what Tyler was talking about a couple episodes ago, he built back up the infrastructure of the baseball operations department. 
uh, the analytics department. You saw what he did with not just the guys that he drafted and developed in the, the major league draft while he was here, but the players that were Dombrowski picks that were developed under his watch. Like he's, he should get credit for that too, just because Dave Dombrowski picked the player. I mean, we've seen pl- plenty of top picks not pan out. Pat Light, fucking terrible. First round pick. Fucking sucks. What what, ha- what would happen if Pat Light got drafted under Heim Bloom? Does his career turn out differently? Maybe. Don't know. But those things matter. So that's why I'm just curious because I-, I think you could go one, one of either way. Like there's under no circumstances if the Red Sox sat there and said, let's offer Heim the chance to at least be the number two. Because I still think that he would provide great value to the Boston Red Sox, just not as the head guy. But it's also insulting to ask at the same time. Like, are you are you selfish? If you're selfish, you're like, well, we have to ask because if he says yes, that helps us. If we don't ask, he's just gone. He could say no and he's gone anyway, but he doesn't stay if we don't ask. You could also uh, I- say it's kind of a slap in the face to be like, hey, uh, we're firing you, but if you want, you can stay. You're just not the guy anymore. Like you just have to be like publicly humiliated that you just got like a public demotion. And I think the PR played a big part in this. And if you were to just demote him or reorganize his role, I think not only does it maybe not get the PR effect they were looking for, where clearly they were trying to get this amount of Red Sox fans that were upset that it turned on them. We've seen, you know, Blue Jays fans, Dodgers fans taking over, all the shit during the Mookie Betts uh, return, all that. If you're trying to flip that narrative, it's not to the same effect. And it's also what you're doing to the organization as you look to hire somebody else, right? Especially if it's an Eddie Romero. It's a, If it's another guy and you're like, all right, one of your assistant GMs is taking your job and you're flipping roles to some degree one way or the other. That's a hard sell. It's a hard sell to anyone who's trying to come in here to be like, well, the last guy's still here. You know, that's like that's like saying... Well, yeah, I got with this chick, but she still is with her boyfriend. You, you know what I mean? Like, it, there's a weird dynamic. I think that would make the search very difficult uh, on that front as well. Uh, and I think when you look at Charrington, you know, they could have offered him that because they already had the guy there. Like, Dombrowski was here. Like, it was done. Like, there was no conversation. You didn't have to go through this whole hunt. And then you talk about Charrington. You mentioned it last episode. The guy predates the John Henry era. Like, this is a guy whose roots in the organization were strong and he won a World Series. Heim doesn't have those same roots here. That That's the reality. He spent four seasons here through, you know, a rocky time in Red Sox history. Is there the same probably reasoning to try and offer that or try to make that relationship work? I don't think so. And I, I think when you talk Eddie Romero, I like Eddie a lot. And I would not be disappointed if he's the choice. Um, I do think out of the assistant GMs, he deserves real consideration. He deserves a real interview. Would it make sense from where the Red Sox are coming from? And Ken kind of said that in this clip. If you want experience, if you want someone who's used to closing deals and doing that stuff, does Eddie really fit that bill? That would be my question. It's a guy who's never filled that seat before. <clears throat> you want a talk, guy who's you want to talk closing deals? Uh, I will. Your I, call has been forwarded. Oh, to- hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, continue. continue. See if he picks up. Got to ask him about the core interview if he does. Yeah. 
Wow. Are you recording? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, I knew I shouldn't have answered this. Fucking Listen, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, we were just talking about business and closing deals. And I was like, I know someone that can close deals. Wait, is this Pat? <laughs> this is Pat Light. I thought you called. <laughs> I thought you called Catillo. No, no, this is Patrick James Light. This Pat, is- I'm even happier. Yeah, if we're going to talk business, there's only one person that's going to talk business on this podcast. It's Patrick James Light. Uh, listen, I'm I'm happy to be here. I'm happy that Tyler's happier to see me or hear from me than he gets from Chris Petillo. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, voice is sexy. Mm-hmm. Listen, what can I what can I help you guys with? What, what kind of business are we, are we discussing tonight? Um, so I uh, obviously big fan of your TikTok. Uh, I comment course, on most of, of them. Uh, great content as always. Great content. Um, yeah, huge fan. Huge fan. Huge fan. Uh, I know that uh, you are following along with the Red Sox firing Heim Bloom. You've you've mm-hmm. publicly identified as a Red Sox fan still, which I which let me just say, let me be the first to say how much I respect that because for those who don't know, Patrick James Light, uh, born in New Jersey, uh, he went to Monmouth. First round draft pick. One of the best. We were just saying about 20 minutes ago how you were one of the best draft picks in Red Sox history. And then uh, <laughs> made it to the big leagues with the Boston Red Sox and was traded to the Minnesota Twins. And the fact that you grew up a Yankee fan in the 90s, but because you were drafted and made your big league debut with the Red Sox, but you were traded by the Red Sox. So I, I Most people would be like, hey, fuck that team because they traded me. They gave up on me. You have maintained... Your Red Sox fandom. Why? <laughs> uh, well, they made the dream come true. So they have they have the ability to trade me away. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, it's not like they fired me. They didn't release me. They traded me away because they needed a lefty reliever in the bullpen that year. And they had no need for me. So, listen, that was a one-for-one deal for a big leader, for a guy who was in the AAA for most of the year. Yep. That's a huge win for me. Love what the Red Sox did. Very excited. Still a fan. Yeah. Okay. All right. I appreciate that a lot. I, I, yeah. Yeah. So that's something that, um, I do respect a lot about you among, I respect most things about you, Pat. Um, yeah, yeah. but you have been following along with the Red Sox, uh, general manager search, which is really yet to begin, uh, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> if you're a player and you, I, I saw one of your TikToks talking about how, all right, if I'm, if I'm a player in the Red Sox organization right now, I am looking at this closely because, Heim, if Heim Bloom drafted me, well, now there's no emotional attachment to me. Uh, a, a general manager that drafted you, they need you to make the big leagues because it validates them as a general manager. Well, mm-hmm. what if, what if it's like, all right, Heim got fired, but what if that general manager that takes his place is already in the organization? How, then how would you feel? You'd, you'd feel good. But you're still not sure. You'd have to rely on your agent to know how that guy feels about you still. Because for example one is that when I got drafted, there were, you know, all the, a lot of the scouts come down to, uh, instruction league, which I'm not even sure that this still exists. Does this still exist, Tyler? Yes. Tyler is, oh, are you still there, Tyler? You're fucking, I can't see your cameras, bro. Hello? Hello? Can you see me? Testing? I, I can't see you, but I can hear you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there, there's is, still an issue. It's, it's a goddamn Jesus. Okay. Uh, regardless. Anyway, so a lot of the scouts would come down to instruction league and when the first year guys they would draft, they'd all be competing on who they think was the better draft pick. When I got down there, uh there were two scouts that were fighting for their guy out of California over Mike, over me, and then they were watching and then they were like, Okay, no, we think you're better than our guy. So 
um, there's always that like inner competition. So if the guy that got drafted or the guy that gets promoted to general manager in the organization, maybe he liked you, but he liked other people more. It's still not as good for you. It's, it's definitely the better case scenario than having someone from the outside come in like a Dave Dombrowski and let, literally not give a fuck about who's in the organization as a minor leaguer, except as trade pieces. Uh, but it still might not be as good as like Heim being the one. Listen, I believe this guy. This is who I'm drafting. So this is the guy I want to make and want to see make the big leagues. Whereas this guy might not care as much. That makes more sense. Do you have a relationship yeah. with Eddie Romero at all? Uh, I mean, I knew him when I was playing, but he was he was when I was playing. He was like a full blown overseas guy. He didn't. He was around uh, us a lot, but he was not like. He was really like more of like the guy for the Dominican guys and the Venezuelan guys, not so much for us. Got it. Um, yeah. So if you were, let's, I mean, let's put that business cap on. I mean, not that you ever take it off, but you're the, you're, <laughs> you're, you're the owner of the Boston Red Sox right now. Who are you hiring to be Heim Bloom's successor? Oh, that's a, that's a very interesting question. Um, you know, the two guys are the, the, the you named Eddie Romero. Mm-hmm. I, I think he should be considered. You know, he was very well respected in the organization when I was there. Um, and then the other one who doesn't look based off. I think I think maybe I read this from Tyler's Twitter. Uh, was Mike Hazen from Arizona? It doesn't look like he's going to be able to leave that contract. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a guy like even the guys that I played with. Like, apparently, you get called into meetings in Mike Hazen, and he would just tell you, dude, you, you fucking suck last year, so you're staying in high A. And guys loved that because it wasn't like, well, you know, you know, when I had nothing against Ben Crockett, who I'm not sure if he's still with the organization or what position he holds. Uh, but Ben was trying to be nice to the guys, be like, you know, kind of soften the blow if they had to stay down that year and not go to you know, the following year, go up to like double A AA or triple A. He tried to soften the blow. Mike Hazen would just come out and say, dude, you suck. So you're going nowhere. I don't have to tell you. Like, you're bad. Uh, but there was like an ultimate level of respect amongst the players because there was no bullshit. They didn't have to guess. When they left that beat, they knew exactly how Mike Hayes felt about them. And so everyone loved the guys. So, um, I would, you know, I think those two guys, I don't think you can really lose with. Um, I don't know how, I mean, the, the, pre, the owner of the Diamondbacks seemed to love what Mike has done with the Diamondbacks, but, uh, you know, I don't follow the organization well enough to know if there's been actual progress over there. Uh, but I don't. Is it from from afar? It doesn't I look like they're in a spot right now. They are, and their farm really? system has believe, really taken uh, good steps forward. Yeah, they are currently oh, holding the second wild card spot with a game and a half lead over the Chicago Cubs. Oh, that's fantastic! Then, so yeah, I'm I'm taking one of those two guys. Probably the more likely one is Eddie Romero, uh, but that's probably uh, from the people that I've heard. I know the Dodgers guys in contention. Um, but I like to stay in house, you know, especially Eddie. He knows the farm leagues, the farm system so well. Uh, he's been in the organization for God knows how long. Uh, I'd probably lean towards him or Mike Hazen. So you being, if you were in the Red Sox organization, you would prefer someone who's already there versus like a fresh set of eyes. You know, it's again, it's. I mean, the fresh set of eyes was Heim Bloom, right? You know, he came in from Tampa. He wasn't a guy that knew the system that well, and I still, you know, I, you know, I'm still. Like time, I, I didn't, I didn't really know. I didn't really love how the kind of shake he was getting, uh, but you know, I, I would prefer those guys than a than a fresh start. 
I think you're going to get these guys that know the organization well. They're going to know the needs of the, of the organization. A lot of times you bring in a new GM, you sit there and you're like, well, they're going to take a year. Or, you know, they're going to try to figure out exactly when a new farm director comes in. They're going to, they're going to look at what they have under the system before they make any huge changes. You know, you don't really want that. With Eddie Romero, you just pick up where you left off. Maybe, you know, based off of what, um, uh, what's, what's, uh, Sam Kennedy said, maybe now John Henry wants to spend money. And you just add the pieces that we need. I don't know what the free agent class looks like this year. Uh, but it, maybe you just add some pieces to pick up where Heim left off where instead of having a Dodger guy come in, have to, you know, assess the, the organization, see where we are, and then kind of maybe get a little bit of a later start. I think we'd do better by staying in house. You know, what just occurred to me is like <laughs> when we talk about Dave Dombrowski <clears throat> and how he came to the Red Sox organization and quote unquote blew up the farm system. You were a part of that. <laughs> oh yeah, you, you were a former first round pick that he traded for a fucking lefty rental. <laughs> yeah, dude. Honestly, man, the the that's what Dave was has always been known for. But yeah, like he went on to win a World Series, and I like I've always said I don't think Ben Sherrington gets enough credit uh, for a lot of the stuff. That, I know he'd made some some mistakes, but you know he we had some really good players in there that Dave just used as pieces. And look at I me. Mean, let's let's be really honest. Yeah, Fernando Obad didn't work out so well. But I mean, neither did I. Like, he didn't give away much. Yeah, uh, like he but just, like, I feel like maybe like, it's the butterfly effect. Like, your career maybe takes a different turn if you stay in Boston. Like, you would have had me supporting you. You would have felt better about yourself. <laughs> like, you probably, like, positive reinforcement goes a long way. When you go to Minnesota, everyone's like, who the fuck's Pat Light? But in Boston, it's like, oh, that's the guy with the hashtags. And then you would have been. <laughs> You definitely would have been someone that with positive reinforcement, who knows what happens to your career. Listen, I think that my career turns out better if I stay in Boston or if I, um, uh, if, if the Minnesota GM who, who uh, traded for me didn't get fired three weeks after trading for right. me. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> so the, the new GM, like 2016, you're out of gas. It's your first. I guess like full, it's your first season where you're going past the innings that you're used to in the minors because you're, you're playing a full big league season. Uh, not a full big league season, but you're, you're pitching deeper into the year than you're used to. And you got a brand new GM and their first and only impression of Pat Light is not only is this dude absolutely gassed and has tons of miles on him, but he's drunk too. And, and he's like, I got to fucking, now he's got to like trade this guy. And I, I don't think you got a fair shake in Minnesota. And I don't think that that judgment, that same judgment of this guy is trash doesn't get passed in Boston because they would have been like, yeah, of course he's out of gas. He's never like had a season this long before. And he's drunk. Listen, I, uh, you know, we'll get to the drunk part in a minute, uh, but, <laughs> but some, because Boston fans don't know this. They obviously did, they didn't follow me closely after I left. Uh, but when I went to Minnesota, I was throwing like 91 miles an hour. My shoulder was fucking deceased. Um, and everyone was like, dude, this guy's supposed to throw a hundred. This guy sucks. Mm. And I just couldn't throw anymore. Um, the drunk part was, was mildly accurate. There was definitely a lot of drinking that took place when I was in the big league. Mm -hmm. Why didn't you just tell them like, Hey, I know you just traded for me and everything. And I'd love to be able to go out there and, and make a good first impression. But like, I'm toast right now. Like, why didn't you say that you were hurt? You can't. If you, if you in, as a, at least that's the perceive, perception. When the when those guys come in, the first like they 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 get the reason you get hired, the reason why Heim Bloom and he didn't really work out with Heim. The reason why you would fire a GM in August 
is so that the you do pick up, you know, and you go right as into the off season with a full head of head of steam. Because if you don't get those four or five weeks to watch players, you don't really know who you have mm. unless you've been paying attention to this team. So now they what when they came in, we were all told as players that this is the beginning of spring training. We're the worst team in baseball. No, we obviously weren't competing. You guys go out and prove yourself starting now. Um, and so if I said, okay, yeah, I'm fucking hurt, then either they just, they don't care about me. So they get rid of me at the you know the same time they did, or you give yourself a chance. Uh, and they threw me a ton. I remember there was like, there was like, I think I fucking pitched like seven out of 11 games one time. It was miserable. And I was just giving up jacks. Mm. Uh, Josh Donaldson. They, Josh Donaldson. And then the infamous, um, overthrow on an intentional uh, walk, which I can't, I can't necessarily say that it was because I was tired. <laughs> no, because <laughs> this guy was hammered. Yeah, that was the hammered one. Yeah. Yeah. This guy was trying to intentionally walk. This, uh, that was the last shitty throw on an intentional walk because now it's automatic. History. History was made that day. There's a lot of like history surrounding Pat Light. There's a lot of history surrounding Pat Light. You could say, you could make the case that you're one of the most historical players to ever play the game. There's a there's there's a real case there. Uh, a lot of TikToks are posted about that, and uh, you know, a lot of content out there. A lot of content, a lot of content, uh, specifically on TikTok. Um, you're going to be talking about this subject. Are you bringing up any uh, any general manager talk on? Sorry, we're close. Uh, not so much. I, I don't. I don't. I don't follow enough to dive into the specifics and really know who should be hired. Who should, like I don't I really mean, know the doctor that well. Name another Red Sox podcast that has a call in for someone that's like, yeah, I've personally worked with Mike Hayes, and yeah, I've personally worked with Eddie Romero, and here's my two cents on how they deal with players. No one else has that kind of perspective. You host a goddamn podcast. You're like, oh, I don't follow closely enough. To, to have something to say on this. You were there. You can talk about it from a firsthand fucking... Are you drunk right now? You could definitely talk about this on your show. And it has a ton of... Yes. In, it's interesting insight, Pat. Yes, of course. Unless I'll make some mentions of it. Uh, but I... I like With this type of stuff, I more so enjoy talking with you guys about uh, this stuff. But I don't know enough... Like, like when I was on the show, you know, a lot more with you guys. Like, it's maybe a lot more. I was pretty absent a lot. But the... <laughs> you guys would be able to fill in the blanks for me and I'd be able to get information out of you guys during the show. Sure. Uh, my brother hosts that show with me. I can't get any goddamn information out of him about the fucking Red Sox GM search. Right. Um, so it's it's much tougher for me to kind of put, I'd have to do a ton, ton more research. Right. Whereas with your show, I can rely completely on Tyler to do all that research. Um, yeah. So it's just different. I just more so talk about why they probably fired him or stuff like that rather than the real in-depth specifics. I'll leave that to the name redacted. I appreciate that a lot. Um, mm -hmm. did, did I wake you up, Pat? I know I, I saw you tweet. I was going to call you earlier in the show, but I was like, I don't know. He sometimes goes to bed like a little bit earlier. He's a busy guy. He's got a lot of meetings. But then I saw you tweet and I was like, oh, he's awake. And then I called you. You didn't wake me up. I had, I had to work a little bit late this evening. Um, but I am in bed now. I was watching a documentary, which is an interesting doc. Uh, very pop culture-y. Um, but, uh, so no, you didn't wake me up. But once I saw it, I was like, I like, saw so I was like, Jared, what the hell is he calling me about? Mm. And then I looked at the time and then I realized that, well, you know, we had, I guess we lost the Rangers today, 15 to five. Is that what I saw? Yeah. That's not great. Um, and I was like, he must've, they must be on the show right now. So is it just you and Tyler this evening? Is, uh, Jake's is Jake, here. Well, uh, Jake's here. Yep. Jake's here. 
I'm sure Jake can hear me since he's the producer, but mm-hmm. I miss and love you, Jake. Love you too, Pat. Good to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> also, also, you know the difference. Like, so this is, I will say this with 100% certainty that Pat Light is the only friend that I have where if I want to call him, I FaceTime him. Like, I have to, I don't know why. Like, so if you, I'll even like prove this right now. Actually, I don't know if I want to show this. Uh, maybe. Let me see it. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, all right. Be I'll open. scroll up a little bit. I'll scroll up a little bit. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so here, all the times you call me. Here are my favorites. Oh, there's Tyler. Name, are, are any of those? Uh, the only one is that, that's a FaceTime is Pat, right? <laughs> like, you're in my favorites. You're my, like, I have, like, my mom. Is that the 99? A- yep. I have my mom, my agent, um, the place that I get my lunch, my dad, my sister, Coley, Pat Light, Jake, Dallas, one of my buddies from home, and then a bunch of restaurants. But the only one that says FaceTime is Pat Light. For whatever reason, like if I want to talk to you, like as a, like I, like as a friend, I FaceTime you. But if I'm calling you, that means it's probably the podcast. You know, it's funny. Until you just said this right now, I never put that together, but you're 100% correct. Yeah. I also I also never really call you. It's only FaceTime. Right. And I don't do that with anybody else. Me I neither. I prefer not to see anybody. Yeah. But that's the reason I FaceTime you. <laughs> yeah. I never FaceTime anybody, but I will FaceTime Pat. If we have to catch up, if it's been a while, if we have something we have to talk about, if we have to have a private conversation, it's FaceTime. But if I, if I want him on the podcast, it's a phone call. That's how you know the difference. Listen, I love that. And I miss our private conversations. It's unfortunate no one can ever hear us because we have some great ones. We have some great uh, ones, but, and, but I feel like you know it's been it's been like a couple months at this point. Now we're probably we're probably due for a for a private conversation. We're definitely we're definitely due for a private conversation. Well, listen, the, I think I told you the, uh, the 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 lady in my life is from Boston, so I'm I'm, yeah. I'm actually coming up there in October. Um, I don't know for how long, but listen, we'll have to have some private conversations. Maybe have a few beverages at a bar. Yeah. Maybe I'll black out Tyler after Please. two drinks again. Mm-hmm. Send him, send him home, and then we can all enjoy ourselves. I love that. Nothing would make me happier than to see my friend Pat Light at a bar uh, with Tyler, who is uh, he can't control his alcohol. A lot of people say that, uh, and Jake as well. <laughs> Titanic night. To it, guys. Oh yeah, Titanic night. I don't know if you'd be interested, but. Uh, we're planning on at Kowloon instead of like a, a live podcast because I don't who cares about the Red Sox right now. Uh, we were considering doing at Kowloon how you were there for that live show. They have the big screen outside. We want to do mm-hmm. a Titanic watch along. <laughs> of course you do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I actually saw this on Twitter. Okay. Um, so I, I I have a somewhat of a semblance of an idea of exactly what's going on here. Mm-hmm. But when are you guys trying to do it? It's a, it's a great movie, phenomenal movie. Oh, one of the best. Tyler's never seen it. You never seen it, Tyler? Oh, guess, how, it. how old is he? Fucking I'm, five. I'm 25 now. I'm getting up yeah. there. But I'm a high school musical okay, guy. So, yeah, no. Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah, because you're fucking 25 years old. Uh, <laughs> Titanic. Because uh, Jared, you remember the Titanic came out on two sided VHS yep. back in the day. Yep. So Ty wasn't around for that. No, he doesn't even uh, know what a VHS is. I know what a VHS no, is. No, you don't. Have you ever actually had to watch a movie on a VHS? Like, yes. I had a VCR. I had a VCR till like, dude, what do you think you watch in 2002? Uh, they had DVDs in 2002, asshole. I, I come from also, a, a background that had VCRs. Like 
Yeah, 2002. I remember uh, Freddy versus Jason came out in 2003, and I remember like first day it became available at Best Buy. I was there buying the fucking DVD. So I like, got tapes. They didn't. They didn't invent the fucking DVD player in 2003, pal. Listen, I'd sit there and tell my mother, "Please record this on the VHS tape so I could have them on rewatch." I know what this game was. Yeah. I was out here. I got them. I have some right to the left of me, actually. Yeah. Well. I never, I never went to DVR. It just went from DVD to like, I guess I got to rent it on fucking uh, on demand or some shit like that. <laughs> um, all right, Pat. Uh, I will count on you being there for the Titanic watch along. Yeah, I look forward to it. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Hey, yep. Pat Light, former uh, Boston Red Sox, first round pick, struck out Mike Trout. Sorry, we're closed. The podcast, Pat underscore Light on Twitter, and you can find him on TikTok as well. Great content, and we uh, always appreciate you having him on the show. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye, Pat. Love you, Pat. Great guy. Love Pat Light. That was actually very it? cool. Who does what? To hear him talk about Hazen and like kind of how he goes about things and just Eddie Romero as well. That's insight you don't get. It's really not. Hey, it's almost like, hey, Tyler, it's almost like we're fucking baseball podcasters and we can't be fucking tweeting at Ken Rosenthal. Hey, Ken Rosenthal, I have a question. It's, it's, from, it's me from Tyler. Tyler from Brockton. Hey, my question is, what do you think is a weird candidate to be What do you think is going to be Ken Rosenthal? Hey, I was I'm trying to help us. Hey, hey, how about you ask me, asshole? Yeah, I, I do. Who the... We just had last episode. We just had a conversation. Hey, who breaks more Red Sox news than Jared? Nobody. You also said the national thing. I don't sound like that. Deep in it. What's a weird kid? Can you tell me what's your manager? Who is it? Can you tell me? I don't sound like that. All I'm saying. It's a joke. It's a joke. You're a joke. I was trying to gather information and intel. I was checking with my sources. You, oh, he said Mike Hazen. Did you learn anything new? No. No, you didn't, did you? Well, I got a second person to say Mike Hazen. That ah. adds with the Buster report. Okay. There you go. Can, can I mention a name? And and I feel like it's not it's it's throwing us off the trail here. If if this is an investigation, we're trying to find out new information of who the next general manager is going to be. He said a guy that the team that he works for is saying, yeah, we're not even going to let the Red Sox talk to him. That was the next day. Okay. Well, I mean, that doesn't really matter. That just means like, oh, he's a lead candidate next day. No, he's not. We're crossing things off this list. Okay. We're not. All I'm saying is I thought it would be smart to check in and see if we could get anything new. Okay. I'll take my L. Jake, was it smart? It was so lame. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. A lot Thank of people you. thanked me. Hey, you know what's not lame, though? What? Drinking an ice cold blue moon. True. Mm-hmm. Jake, if you could. Fuck off, Jake. Even under the bright lights of the playoffs, Blue Moon Belgian White Belgian Style Wheat Ale is the beer that's made brighter. Blue Moon was born in a ballpark for baseball fans, first brewed at Coors Field in Denver, Colorado. From its bold, refreshing flavor to its beautiful, bright color, Blue Moon is as iconic as America's pastime. Blue Moon is as iconic as Tyler is lame, which is very. Bro, you're the co-host on the number one Red Sox podcast with the number one Red Sox personality, and you're tweeting at Ken Rosenthal for Red Sox news? I think it was a huge missed opportunity for Rosenthal to just read Tyler's question and then just be like, shut the fuck up, Tyler, you loser. But hopefully he learned his lesson and doesn't go embarrass the podcast like that ever again.
Dude should have just chilled out and had a Blue Moon because with its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander, Blue Moon Belgian White Belgian style wheat ale is a one of a kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Blue Moon was brewed by baseball, so it's the perfect match for the playoffs. The crack of a beer, the pour, the first sip of that bold flavor. Blue Moon always feels like a special occasion. Best served with its signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful, bright color. A beer this good only comes around once in a Blue Moon, but you can enjoy it all through the playoffs. Brighten up the baseball playoffs with Blue Moon Belgian-style wheat ale. It's one of a kind every time. Check out shop.bluemoonbrewingcompany.com for fresh baseball merch and visit get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared to find Blue Moon delivery options. That's get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. Blue Moon, made brighter. Celebrate responsibly Blue Moon Brewing Company Golden Colorado Ale. Jake, thank you so much. No one's better than you. Um, oh, thank thank you for putting me in your favorites, by the way. Nice uh, to see Coley I, I, and Pat I don't ever, and Jay. I don't call you, though. Yeah, because you don't like, give I a text, fuck about me. Tyler, if I want to talk to you, I text you. Oh, thanks. When have we ever talked on the phone? Just send me an email. I called you roughly a month ago. No, you sent me a voice note. Nope, I called you. I called you uh, about a month ago when I told you I was going to be able to make a pod. Oh, yeah. Oh, you did. yeah. So thank you. Uh, Points yeah, for me. Yeah, How many times yeah, has Jared yeah, called yeah. me? Zero. I don't um, need to call. I text you if I got if I got to talk to you. I do send you my voice notes now, though. That's usually yeah. that's that's proof on my side that I, yeah. I appreciate. Yeah, that's that's what the kids do, I guess. I don't know. It's fine. It's cool. Jake, are you a voice note guy? No, I'm just a text guy. Yeah, I'm just a, I'm mostly a text. guy. I'm like a non-communication guy. Me too. I fucking, I just. That's our uh, problem with me and you. I think we're too similar in that way. I always answer you. I I don't answer you. I didn't say you didn't. But I think we're both very antisocial in that way. I just like, I can't. I can't do a conversation that isn't necessary. Same. Like, if you're going to text me, it's got to be like for something very specific that has a purpose in my life like i don't do small talk i don't do like catch-ups like if i see you in person happy to talk and catch up but like a text catch-up i'm like no 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 you put me in a small talk position i'm the most awkward person you'll ever meet in the entire world i have no idea what people like or what they ask about i think i i think i've i've tweeted about this before and passing immediately texting. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I fucking hate when people like text to like small talk. And he's like, hey, <laughs> I was well, like, he's he must have he's got to have me on a Twitter list because he doesn't follow me, but he'll like make comments about things that I tweet almost like instantly after tweeting. them. I, I need to be a bit better at this. Someone, and it, it made me feel a little bit bad. They tagged you in the tweet. I don't know if you saw it. They're like, tell Tyler to stop being a dickhead and to respond uh, to like certain people what? or things like that. And I, I'm usually, it's not that I don't want to respond, but I'm just like, I don't know. When people say things like tweet at me, I usually just consider them like tweets to everybody. Like it's like a forum, you know what like I mean? Like what? Reddit. Like, 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 you know, you tweet something and someone will be like, you know, they'll make a joke about the pod or something like that, or even a comment about like what it is. Unless it's like a direct question, I usually don't touch it. I I just like tweets. Yeah, I like, like I, tweets. That's what I usually do. I I hardly ever like a tweet that isn't a reply to me. Like I treat 
the like button like a fist bump. Like someone you don't like, like like news. Like if you're like, oh, no. I want to keep this in my bank or something. That's what no. I, I do, too. No, never. You still treat it like it's a favorite. Yeah, that's how I treated it back in the day. Yeah, like if if someone like tweets me and like like says something nice, if it's really nice, I'll tweet back. If it's like sentimental, nice, like I'll tweet back and say like, thank you, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Appreciate the support. But if it's just like a, oh, that moment that, that, that was funny on the podcast today, then I'll like it. It's like, yeah, thanks, man. Fist bump. But I'm never just, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't like if I see it has to be, it has to like make me laugh out loud. Like I have to like see like a tweet. I'm like, that was fucking funny. And I'll throw it a like or I'll quote tweet or whatever. I don't fucking know. I want to do an ask me anything. I want to see what kind of questions I'd get. I feel like oh, they'd God. be weird. Yeah, you get some weird questions. Well, you're a weird dude. That's okay. Publicly. Publicly weird? Yeah, you've said a lot of like weird shit about yourself on this show. I, I try to be an open book. Yeah, I want people and to understand I, hey, I, we appreciate that. I feel like when I did CCK back in the day, I definitely told a bunch of weird stories about my like younger years when I was figuring out who I was as a human being. I hope I don't regret a lot of these like 10 years from now. I think I will. Look, Why Tyler, you? can you can you expand on the time you downed holy water with your little sister mm-hmm. and thought and thought that was rightful behavior? Uh, well, I don't want to hear that in a job interview. You Martha knows and Martha loves you for you because if she didn't, she wouldn't still be here. And she is. I'll take that as a compliment. It is a compliment. She she knows she knows you in and out. I'm a steal. Jared, I fuck. I whoa. Hey, we're I, talking about we're talking about what's in here, not it, what's that's in there. part of it. Talking about what's in here. Yeah, I fuck from the heart. <laughs> I fuck the heart. Listen, you're a good guy. Real good. Listen, hey, you're a good guy. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. There's one name that's been going around in this Red Sox front office conversation that's got a little steam the last couple of days. Kim Ang? Yes. Oh, that's weird. <clears throat> oh. Weird. What? Why is that weird? I don't know. Oh. Why, why? Why do you think that? Why isn't that's weird? Uh, you said that's weird. I, I'm, have, have you heard anything? It's a fly in here. Jesus. Buzzing, huh? Mm-hmm. No, nah, it's just weird. For context, for people who may not know, her contract is up at the end of the year. This year? This year. She'll be a free this agent. Year? She's a... Uh, yeah, they have not taken care of her. 24? Yeah. At the end of the season, she's open. 24? This year. She's free to, to be with any team after 23? Correct. Oh. I like this. This actually, I'm into this idea. What? Um, I think she could make a lot of sense in a lot of ways for them. I think if, so as we were talking about Eddie Romero before, it's no disrespect to him or anything like that. But if you're talking about someone who's made deals, who's had to make some tough trades, if we're Mm -hmm. being honest, like the Lisa Rice trade over the offseason, like that was a hard trade with Pablo Reyes and playing that out. Made some good moves at the trade deadline this past year. That was year. Like a very rare example of a win-win, too. Yeah. Berger and Bell at the deadline. Uh, you know, big moves. And I think you can even go and say 
Well, the Red Sox have been discussing trades with the Marlins the last year or so mm-hmm. involving, you know, at one point, Edward Cabrera last offseason, again, at the trade deadline with the Justin Turner. So there's some experience, at least with the assistant GMs in terms of going back and forth, making calls. I don't know. And she's that blend. There is some old school. She's been in the game such a long time. Mm-hmm. And then she also relies on analytics. She's coming from an organization that's very heavy on the pitching development pipeline. Maybe there's something to that as well. And I think a lot of people forget when Jeter took off before last season, this was really her first full offseason doing it on her own. And the Marlins have exceeded expectations so far. They sure have. It would be a, and that would be a very interesting flip. I, I think you'd be getting something along the lines of a similar thought process to Heimbloom, but someone who has the experience in their back pocket, I think you can say with Eddie Romero, that's probably the biggest question on his resume. He's just never been in that spot before. Mm. It's interesting. No further comment. Um, Would you be into yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, like if you, if you listen to the video that I made on the day that Heim was fired, I very intentionally said the next man or woman. Oh, heard, so there was meaning in that. Someone put that in the subreddit. If I mean, I I think they were referring to me talking on the podcast, which was Heim was Heim fired on on a, on a podcast record day. No, uh, it was a Thursday. So yeah, maybe I, I believe. I don't know. People also but, thought you might have been talking about Raquel, I believe, was in the subreddit. I think that's how they framed it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you go back to watch the video that I made like an hour after Heim got fired, like I said, the next man or woman, because I I had her in mind. Um, not to say that there's any like inside information on that, but I I could definitely see the fit. Um, didn't want to just outright assume that she wouldn't be a candidate for the job. So I don't know. I just thought, uh, yeah, there's no, I haven't heard anything yet. Cause I mean, if you're her, right? Like you're kind of like building something special over there. And and that would be it. And are they going to really let her walk? Like, especially, you know, things play out here, you know, with the Marlins being in the conversation, they've, you know, kind of teetering, but I don't know. Like you said, they are kind of in the first year of things going in the right direction there. But if you're the Red Sox and you compare it to Marlins ownership and all that stuff, what you're walking into, it's a totally different ball game for you. I've seen a lot of like public support for her to get the job as well. Yeah, I, I think it would be interesting to me and I, I'd love to see it play out because, you know, you'd get certain parts of the fan base that cry about the Tristan Casas, you know, fingernails. I'd love to see their reaction to it, but it would be a move that overall. I think would be applauded across the sport, not only for what she can do, but her moving up to an organization that is one of the biggest in all of baseball. Be an awesome moment for women in general. Mm, um, Jake, do you have a do you have a favorite yet? Is there is there a candidate that you'd like to endorse? I'm still holding out for like that tiny point oh one percent chance of Theo. Um, yeah, but if it's not him, then. Just whoever is going to go out and spend, just give me that person. Yeah, I think if Theo ends up here in some capacity, it's just going to be like ownership group. Like, give him a little piece. He's not going to be the guy, but he's going to be 
a guy that's going to be nice to have him in the stable. But I still think that they're going to like there's a 100 percent chance that they're going to hire someone that's not Theo. Um, but that doesn't mean that Theo wouldn't just be a part of the ownership group or something like that. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that that plays out. But yeah, I mean, the one name that I think got a lot of play that we haven't even mentioned yet. Is Alex Cora. Yeah, it feels like he's kind of, you know, pissed on the idea of it the last couple of days or so. Uh, Catillo had the quote. He said it to the media a couple of days earlier in Toronto. But to Catillo, he really basically put it out there and he said, where I'm at right now, I turn 48 next year. I got one more year on my contract. Let's see what the future holds. But I feel this is where I belong in the dugout trying to lead this organization to another championship. That's pretty straightforward. Well, yes, but try to peel back the layers there. He knows that uh, he in the search, he's going to be considered. Yeah, it's in, an in the search in the search. He will be considered a uh, he's being asked again. He's been asked before. He's being asked in a podcast format, which is different than a press conference format. You're going to have a, a different kind of answer in a podcast. And what he's doing here is he's leaving the door open for that option, but he's not giving you an answer to where if he doesn't get the job, if he isn't given that role, that now the narrative next year is, oh, well, is his heart really in it being a manager? Because he kind of like said he wanted to be in the front office and he didn't get the job. And now he's the manager. So is his heart in being a manager? Like he answered it about as perfectly as you can. Like he's, I don't think he's saying, ah, no, I'm, I, I'm the manager. Stop asking me about being in the front office. Don't ask me about that. It's not happening. I'm the manager. He's, he's telling you, you know, eh, you know, open to it. If they want to give it to me, that's fine. But like, you know, if it doesn't work out, then I'm still the manager and I'm happy to be the manager. Like that's, and I believe that. I still think like, I don't think that he's in a position right now to where if he doesn't get a front office position in the next year or two, that he's going to be like, ah, fine, fuck this. Like, I don't like I don't want to manage anymore. I want to be in the front office. I, I think it's, you know, wherever he's at, he's going to give it 110% and he's going to be really good at it. Could you imagine a pathway almost similar to Billy Epler in some ways where they would tell Eddie Romero, hey, you know, we're going to make you the GM this year. You're going to work alongside Cora. Like Cora's going to have a very heavy hand while being manager of the Red Sox. Let's see where we're at a year from now when his contract expires. Maybe if this plays, we move Cora up into a front office spot at that point and consider a managerial situation. Could you see something like that? Or do you think if Cora is going to have a heavy hand, it's going to come with a complete switch? I I said this to Maz tonight. I said, if, if it's going to be Eddie, I don't think it's Eddie without Alex. And I think if it's Alex, it's not Alex without Eddie. Uh, at least for a year. So if it's Eddie, it's Cora also moving fully into the front office. Maybe like I think it's more like it's definitely if it's Alex, it's also Eddie, too. Uh, I don't think that there's any real likelihood that if Alex is in the front office that he's doing that, just like, hey, yo, you want to try it out? Go right ahead. Like it's a it's a pretty big it's a pretty important offseason to just kind of throw someone in there without any experience. Um, So, yeah, I think that. That is, if it's going to be one or the other, I, I, I don't know. I, I just kind of see it being like a tandem type deal, at least for now. Or maybe it's maybe maybe it's always. I don't know. They keep, they literally just make up fucking job titles. Like, who's to say that it has to be 
oh, interim general manager or whatever. Like they can literally just fucking make up job titles, have them work together, be on the same page. You know, Eddie's a mentor for Alex, whatever. I don't know. But, um, you know, hearing Pat talk about the the difference between someone from the inside versus someone from the outside, it kind of sounds like what this organization needs right now. Like if if uh, you've made the point, I've heard other Red Sox fans make the point, spend money, spend money. Don't come in here and just start chucking prospects all over the place as some desperation move to add a bunch of talent uh, when you're, you know, on the precipice of, of the next wave of talent coming up from your own organization that is what fifth, some say third, some say fucking ten, whatever. It's a very it's a top 10 farm system. We can all agree. Uh, that's to me says you need someone from the inside who knows the organization inside and out that has some sort of semblance of emotional attachment to these prospects. That's like, hey, we we've put it, we've invested a lot of time and resources into Marcelo Meyer and Roman Anthony and Nick York and uh, Sadan Rafaela, all these guys. You don't want not that there is a Dave Dombrowski type out there. There really just isn't some like executive that's like my my reputation, my MO is fuck the system like that guy or girl isn't out there. Um, So, yeah, I, I think if you were to ask me where I'm at on it, I lean towards. Uh, an internal promotion, um, at least for now, you know, because it is a <laughs> it is a four year window for for this job. Yeah, I, I guess I just where I would sit and I I wondered it makes me would also wonder about the Heim Bloom firing. If you're looking for experience and someone who's done this and closed deals and has a history of doing that, being in that spot. That's a box you're leaving unchecked there. I'm not saying it's wrong. Every, you know, you want to talk about the three candidates. If it's, if, you know, Eddie Romero, right? Like Eddie Romero, the experience isn't the check mark in terms of just being in that spot. But, you know, inside the organization, emphasis on the farm system, boom. Mike Hazen, you get, well, you know, there's some familiarity with the farm system uh, or with the organization. He cares about the farm system, hasn't ever acted in a major role, you know, in terms of money spending and all that. Doesn't check that box, but he checks a couple of those boxes, right? Brandon Gomes, all right, cares about the farm system, has never been the top guy. Analytical, has a connection with Cora. Also, Hazen, not a former player. What's that relationship with Cora? Like they all, no one here checks off every box. I think that's the main thing to keep in mind here. It's just what can get you the most boxes checked off. I just wonder, and based on how they went about it with Heim, how much does experience matter in this whole thing? And I feel like it's going to be a very heavy component to it. I don't think that means Eddie is not part of it. But I think if there's someone who could overcome that, it is Eddie. And that speaks to why he's even in this conversation as it is. <sighs> when do you think that they'll make a decision on this? Before the GM meetings. Which is what? December? First week in November. After the World Series? Uh, yeah. Or is that the owners' meetings that I'm referring to? The uh, what I'm tripping on here? What's the no? Yeah, it's the regular GM meetings, isn't that like the first week in November? 
I don't fucking know. Let's see. Um, yeah, it's the GM meetings. Last year, they were on November 7th. Uh, usually, that's kind of the idea of when you go in with your new front office, you try to do these things. But I'm guessing we'll start hearing more intel at the very end of the year. They're going to have to do an end of the season press conference. We'll get an update then, right? Like, it's going to be Cora, Sam Kennedy. Does John Henry finally show up and is willing to answer questions because no. they don't have a front office guy? I'd guess no, but they're going to have to speak to everybody. They don't have a choice. At least Cora and Sam Kennedy. Uh, I don't I don't see John Henry being a part of that conversation. I just don't. If he didn't show up the day Heim got fired, it's hard to picture him showing up any other time soon. You know when he did show up, though? Hmm. Hmm. What time is it? Mm-hmm. I did like That's you funny. tweeting the video at uh, someone had said something to you the other day that like you won't press Henry or, you know, you don't ask the hard questions. And then it's you legit asking like the fucking most banger question at the winter yeah. or yeah. Uh, winter hey, weekend or whatever. Give a shit about this team or yeah. no. <laughs> like couldn't have asked it more straightforward. It's yeah. a good hey, tweet. You won't. You won't question ownership. Not only will I do it, but I'll do it to his face. No fear. Do it right now. Do it right now. But, you know, credit to him for not wearing sunglasses during that, too. He could have just put on some hater blockers. That's what I would have done. You would have wore some knock-around sunglasses? Of course. If you're invited back, I bet you're going to wear some. Maybe. Because if you need a great pair of shades that you don't have to baby, knock around sunglasses is the go-to for quality polarized shades that won't break the bank. Plus, they just released the first set of teams for their official MLB collection, including Red Sox and Yankees. Don't be the person that's squinting into the sun or worried about getting sand on their overpriced sunglasses. Check out knockaround.com for great looking polarized shades. Starting at just 28 bucks, use the promo code ROCKET and that'll get you free shipping on your order. Um, did you have anything else that you wanted to hit on today? I don't think so. I think that's everything news-wise. Um, Tristan Casas, we're sorry. We're sad to see you go uh, for the end of the year. Doesn't seem serious. Just looking for a plan of treatment, but no surgery. Um. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, Stop and Shop Look Ahead brought to you by Stop and Shop. Head on down to Stop and Shop. Uh, use the promo code Section 10 to get 10 cents off your tangerines when you buy at least five pounds of tangerines only at Stop and Shop using the promo code Section 10. Uh, the Red Sox are playing in the White Sox this weekend. Maybe we'll win a series. No. You're taking the White Sox. Jesus. Yep. Uh, Chris Sale versus Tuki Toussaint. Nick Pavetta versus Dylan Cease. And Cutter Crawford versus Mike Clevenger. That'll be that'll be a fun one, I guess. No, uh, the Chris Sale one gets me going. Why? Former team, a little fire there. Uh, Maybe yeah. Chris Sale hits ninety four a couple more times. I completely forgot that he played for the White Sox. <laughs> The trauma. Yeah. That that's I don't know. Dylan Cease has a 485 ERA. It's been a rough year. That's 
That's crazy. Do the Red Sox go and call and say, hey, we're going to buy him at his fucking with his stock in the ground? Or do the White Sox say, yeah, we're not doing this until he gets back on track? Wow. It wouldn't feel like that kind of move, though, if that's the move they made over the offseason. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Chris Sale's got a 466. Yeah, Chris Sale. Let's be Chris real. Sale's better than Dylan C. So you willing to have that take? No, because Dylan okay. Cease makes his starts. All right. Cutter Crawford has a 419. Are you willing to say that Cutter Crawford's better than Dylan Cease? Can't do that. Okay. Mike Clevenger has a 342. Are you going to sit here and say that Mike Clevenger is better than Dylan Cease? This year? But I don't think Clevenger's metrics are that good. I was looking at him the other day. Oh, okay. Nick Pavetta has a 448 ERA. Are you willing to say that Nick Pavetta is better than Dylan Cease? No. Okay. Yeah, Clevenger, 407 fit. He's looked better lately, though, for sure. You said you you hate him? No. Or I know there's off the field stuff there. Um, you want me to call him right now? No. You don't that, want me to put. I liked put him his Dom phone? Smith moment. So you you don't want me to call him? I prefer if you didn't. You I sure? Don't know. I, I don't know. Or do you love Mike Clevender? T- tell me about him. Um. I mean, in my experiences with him, he has been really nice. He's been on the show a couple times, but that was before all the the drama and whatnot. <clears throat> yeah. His Dom Smith moment the other day. Big fan of that. Okay. Uh, the Red Sox are getting swept in this series. Dog, come on. What? what? Sweep against the White Sox? You just got one against the Rangers. Tuki Toussaint, Dylan Cease, Mike Clevenger. Sweet. Sweep. Sweep. I just asked you if you thought Chris Sale, Nick Pavetta, and Cutter Crawford were better than Dylan Cease. You said no. Yeah, I did you say that. Flip flopping, son of a bitch. I, I, I'm not flip flopping. I but Dylan is Dylan Cease pitching every day. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, he is not. You don't know that. This, if he's going to break the mold here, and it, if it's Tony Larusa was still managing the White Sox, I would be confident saying you don't know that. Oh, I'm. You know what I'm gonna say? What? Because I'm a man and I'm grown. Uh huh. I'm gonna take the Red Sox two out of three. It's gonna be our last hurrah here. We're gonna get two out of three here before we get our heads kicked in by the Rays and the Orioles. Dumb pick. I hey, who hit last series? I don't remember. Tyler did. Tyler did. Sweep. I'm gonna get a pick and a sweep. They won a game. Jake, what do you got? Got a Red Sox sweep. Red Sox sweep. Going sweeps the rest of the way. No matter what. Win out. Win out. Just get to 84. This team could win 84 baseball games. Still on the table. We're playing for draft uh, position at this point. No, we're playing for 84. Is it going to mean that much? Yep. If the Red Sox win 84 games. Are they going to give Heim his job back? This changes <laughs> everything. <laughs> they yeah. rehire Heim? Yeah. <laughs> this is good fan fiction. Okay. 
All right, we'll be back on Sunday after a thrilling three-game series between the Chicago White Sox and the Boston Red Sox, a showdown. The 2004 World Series champs take on the 2005 World Series champs. It's a battle of laundry that you put on your feet. Who will come out on top? We'll find out on Sunday. Bye. Buenas noches, amigos.